Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't like blood Have a dream about Scream. <laughs> I've never had a dream about Scream. But Paul, it would seem to me that you'd have a dream about Scream. That's beautiful. Well, and you should know you were part of it. It was a duet. That, but you also, um, you had the uh, alternate uh, spelling rhymes. Of, of seam and meme? Yeah, and oh. along with the, the dream and screen, yeah. like you, uh, uh, as you know, Stephen Sondheim says those are the best rhymes. I agree. <laughs> this is with Gorley and Russ, the podcast where we sing and then deconstruct it and break it down after and really kind of pat ourselves on the back for the work that we've done. I, and I think that's, uh, we've reached the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, I would say it's maybe patting ourselves on the back, but I would say a good portion of this podcast is... Um, each of our hands going over to the other person's back and patting it you on. You pat my back, I'll pat yours. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, they should change the expression. Yeah, why? There's not much back scratching that goes on. No, and that's, back scratching's uh, really limited to certain relationships. Yes. That's not a universal, hey boss, would you, I got an itch kind of my lower back, would you mind? Yeah, I've never been, I love to give s- scratches. But it's never been satisfying for me to get scratched. Even if you have like a itch you can't get to? Yeah. Because really that's... Maybe you don't get those. What was the other thing the other day you said you don't get? Hugs. (laughs) I do sound like I'm this like person who's like, I hate human contact. No, remember there was like some condition that a lot of people have that you're like, I don't have that. Oh, (laughs) I was bragging about how I could swallow aspirin without water. Yes, that's it. That is a superhuman condition. (laughs) And now we find out you don't itch ever as a human? Oh, I itch all the time. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. My skin is, oh, I'm constantly scratching. Paul, you might be Bruce Willis and I might be Samuel L. Jackson in 
Unbreakable. Oh my gosh, I didn't know if you were going to say Pulp Fiction or oh, uh, right, um, or Death Die Hard with a Vengeance. Jeez, I bet you there's probably even more for all we know. I mean, those are two actors who uh, um, work a lot, are very prolific. Yeah. Um, did you ever see PCU? No, Politically Correct University? Yeah. No, I haven't. For new listeners, uh, most of this podcast we discuss PCU. Yeah. Uh, but there's a really funny observation where somebody's writing a thesis or something and they're watching TV and they have a theory that any point on TV there's a movie with either Gene Hackman or Michael Caine on. Oh, right. I think I have seen that. That kind of goes around like the uh, Death Star workers in, in Clerks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, was that mm, generation defining for you, that clerk's conversation? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, to to dovetail it to, to the Screamy movies, that, that, those were all of a piece. Those Miramax. That's right. We can, we're talking about culture in the movie. You're right. Now you call it dovetailing. I call it a composure for closure where sometimes on this podcast, we open tangent tabs, but then we mm -hmm. find our way back. So from those Miramax movies, we were talking, that mm -hmm. came from Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, mm -hmm. which came from Unbreakable because you never itched once in your life and can swallow talcum powder without even any water. <gasps> And um, I'm also part of James McAvoy's consciousness. Yes, that's right. You're I don't one know of his. If that's how it works out. But and uh, uh, so you close it. Yeah, much like Need for Speed, you have a composure, composure for closure <laughs> because you don't itch. And we were talking about back scratching and how weird that might be patting each other on the back for the songs that we did and that's what opened this podcast Totally, I love that recall well I can only I was losing it I had about seconds left before it wiped itself out man woman person camera TV well, well done what's that man woman person camera TV charades wait uh, <laughs> categories what is that Oh my gosh, not to make it political within the first 10 minutes, but remember Donald Trump was trying to show how he had to take a memory test. Oh, yeah. And memorizing, they gave you a few words and you had to memorize them and recall. And in this situation, th the first three are all sort of related <laughs> to each other. The last two are as well. Anyway, that's oh fine. That's fine. I was just trying to uh, uh, crack you up with a deep cut. But you had impressed me with that um, uh, going backwards, memento style. I find I, I have instant-term memory, long-term memory, but no short near-field memory. So how long is short-term? Mm. Like, when does that start? And I think, like, real short instant memory is probably, you got, I got about five minutes. And then after five minutes to about, three to four years <laughs> it's just blank yeah but i i know scientists occasionally say in articles i read that your memory is often affected by your sleep especially your rem sleep where you can catalog and dream and stuff like that and i started tracking my sleep on my fitbit and i haven't been doing any rem sleep for so long basically since quarantine oh then i started sleeping on the couch because our daughter is so lovely, but she sleeps in a bassinet in our room, but grunts to the top of her lungs all night long. So I sleep in on the couch sleep. 
for a little Aww. for just temporarily until that's, she's moved into the nursery. Shit, that's but cute I'm little grunts. Dreaming like crazy out there. Oh wow. Isn't that weird? Wait, even though you're not having REM? I am now having REM. Ooh, oh, you've gained REM out there and now you're having So how many dreams per night would you say? How many DP probably uh, DPNs? Probably normal DPN, but the the length of them and the epic journeys of them. I'm just hoping I'm regaining my short term memory. Um, this also has to be though those dreams and the extent and length and potency of them. Yeah, I uh, you know who's to say, but. I have like really strong dreams in moments of transition and change in my life, brother. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I had one going right before the new year. That was the old classic back in either high school slash college, sometimes an amalgamation at the same time. And I keep going, why did I go back? I didn't want to come back. You in your dream, you're going back to school. Yeah, yes, I've had that. I go to college. I go back to college. I think I might have said this on the podcast before. It's like if just not having gone to college and getting four years of education that was valuable to me. If that didn't happen, just so I didn't have anxiety <laughs> dreams anymore yes. about it, I would. I would be like, that's fine. I'd rather be a dumbass. Well, not that. Uh, that's not true. I'm nobody. Uh, I hear you. That's yeah. a good point. A dumbass to, in my own life. There is a certain trade-off going to college asks of you, and that is anxiety and anxiety at a formative time in your life that it's going to stay with you for a long time. I think. Yes, it is. During I mean, you were that you? formative time. What you were going to say is with memory. Um, I was listening to somebody talk about why you replicate, why, why artists replicate the stuff that they saw kind of when they were first getting into art. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, like when you're like 12 and 13 or whatever, the teenage year, adolescent years, when you really get, and then to some extent, those artists, no matter what, when you make stuff, you're kind of like, you can't help but be influenced by that. And some people go like, oh, it's because here's the first thing you saw. Or, uh, But uh, this goes with memory. It's that, so you explain that it's like, um, that's when biologically your brain is most open. Uh, like a spongy. Yeah. Ooh. And so it just stands to reason yeah. that... That would mean for the rest of your life, you really loved uh, uh, mask, <laughs> and you really like mask. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense because my brain currently is a dried up sea sponge, the kind that would you'd have like in school that was sitting up above the sink that nobody uses anymore. It's just cracking on the windowsill. <laughs> no, I thought your recall right there had to do with. You must have like a ninja. I know people talk about a the baby brain fog, but I I say no, no, no. Oh. I think sometimes people get ninja brain where you're kind of like no. Or if anything, I am somehow able to allocate all resources to the like two to half an hours. That see, I can't even say two and a half hours because I was going to say two to three, but then I switched mid sentence. <laughs> Two to half hours Two to half. here, like all resources are being funneled to this. Before and after, I walk around like an idiot. <laughs> a 
okay, let me see if I can composure to closure this. Yes. Thank you. So we're talking about memory. Mm -hmm. And it was because for some reason I decided to bring up sleep and dreaming and how. You were getting more dreams. Yeah. And then what was before that? Uh... (laughs) Anyway. You still have composure to closure. This says nothing about your composure to closure status. I didn't say I had success in closure. Hey, I don't even have minor leagues over here. This is with Gorley and Russ. Ah. We are 10 minutes and 45 seconds into a podcast where we haven't even really told you what this is, but we figure if you're listening to Scream 3, 4, uh-oh, you're, you've already been here for four episodes, so you know it. So also, hey, go check the time code on Scream 4. I think probably the Scream 4 title credit comes on about 11 minutes into the movie. Right. So we're just doing, we're doing exactly what the movie did. Yeah, No Time to Die is like 25 minutes in. That was so much fun. I know. Departed, I know, has a really late one that's like oh, really? so cool. Oh. It's the coolest, any movie that does that. Yeah, we're doing it to be cool. <laughs> so we'll give you the Cliff Notes version here for crying out loud. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. That's right. You get feature length commentaries, mailbag episodes. There's a new one up right now. The draft episode is up. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been toying with whether we should, it's been a few weeks, talk about who won, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't listened. Oh, let's give people one more week. Okay. Is that good? Yeah. But I just want to okay. say, I think it's the the right choice was oh. made. Yes. Yeah. So congratulations to that winner. They know who they are. Yes. And I won't say anything more than that. <laughs> well, I think we should give congrats when Kratz is yes. due. So maybe we don't wait a week. Do you, do you want to announce Skip ahead if you don't want to know. Let's say yeah. skip ahead 60 seconds because maybe we'll just say a brief word about it. Yeah. Okay. Or in pod our podcast time, advance 22 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to time us. Okay. okay. okay good. It is, we are 12 minutes and, okay, skip ahead now. All right. The winner was our lovely guest, Matt yes. Fraction. I mean, come on. The man is a brilliant writer. Oh, well-deserved. Yeah. I would feel... Strange if he hadn't won. And his ability to tie it all together with beautiful prose. Hey, but you were no slouch either, buddy. I don't know. You know, I haven't even checked. I didn't know know, you were such a a prose master. Well, it's my. I'm an instant prose master, but my short term prose (laughs) is for shit. My, uh, it's my, uh, hmm. Seems word formation might be the thing I'm worse at as a writer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have 20 seconds. The final vote tally as of this point was Matt Fraction's um, was 411 votes. Mine was 377. Yours was 232. That shook out perfectly. 10,020 votes. But we'll do another and we'll have our chance to rise again. Maybe we'll team up against Matt Fraction. Who knows? that, Matt? And... Is that a minute? 28, 9, 30. Hey. We're back. And we're you, back. Yeah. Time, wow. We were, uh, we were, we were good kids there. We were. And then the last bit of business is just, you know, we've said that Patreon is difficult to read as to who the Xenomorph, baby Xenomorph subscribers are. So uh, I'm just going to read a couple of the names for people that have emailed and said, hey, my name never got read, right, which on. is part of the deal. And then we're going to get to talking about Scream 3. Nice. Uh, Four. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Mick Elston. um, And he's down in Australia. And he's, he just really, he really 
haven't has not has his name written. <laughs> <laughs> you said baby brain. Now I have it. Oh god. Okay. Hey, uh, thank you so much for handling the intro here. Remember when I did like no, an episode or two ago? Oh my god, the wheels came off the bus. Fell Ryan off a bridge. Banks and his wife Kelly O'Driscoll. Uh, John Duncan. And finally, Jacob Kaplan. Um, yes. That's oh, awesome. he wants to have Southern Lawyer read it. Hey, go for it. Hello, Jake Kaplan. This is a summons for you to come to the municipal courthouse down at 329 Briar Snatch Lane. Uh, court is adjoined. All right. Our business is done. Our oh, tangents are done. I love that street. Um, also, his name, uh, it's sort of sounded like um, Gabe Kaplan. Yeah. Jake Gabe Kaplan. I realized I mispronounced it because he put in a, it's Kaplan. Oh, okay. No, well, that's good. We made the. Who knows? Maybe it's Gabe Kaplan this this whole time. But Amanda's dad did reference Welcome Back Carter the other day, and he, he said, "Yeah, that show, Welcome Home Carter." <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Also, the sort of uh, what's great about it when that happens is sort of like the person, of course, is saying it with confidence. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it conveyed. I knew yeah. exactly what he meant. My mom has a friend. Uh, who, uh, instead of saying get a life, she thinks it's get a light. What? Like, if somebody's dumb, I think it's like get a light, turn it on, stop being <laughs> dim. I, that's the only way I can understand what it means. But it's so funny when I think about it because she says it in, and I love her friend, believe me, she's awesome. But she says it in moments where she's being superior. But, the word she's using is not, so it'll be like, and this person over here with their car running, get a light. <laughs> <laughs> They're selling their house at that price? Get a light. Get a light, you idiot. Six dollars for an Amstel light? Get a light. <laughs> They should use that as a uh, slogan for Amstel Life. dollars for an Amstel Life? Get a light. <laughs> Amstel Life. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Scream five. Sc what? What? Hold on. Scream four. Scream Sc four. S-C-R-E-4-M. Right. And the four is also a little knife. <laughs> It is. The little bottom of the four is a little stabby knife. The whole title should have been Scream 4, the A is a four, and also a little knife. Uh, wait a minute. I see Amanda. Hold on. I'm going to bring oh. her out to talk about her part real quick. Oh, perfect. This is great. Her audition, not this, her role. And then the, you can too. Hold on. Yes, this is a... Oh my gosh, this is an exclusive. Uh, holy moly. You'll hear it first. You hear it first. Okay. So the people at TMZ should start listening right now. That's right. Because they're going to get yeah. the deep dish. Because last week we talked about how Amanda told me that she auditioned for this movie, and then you told me you did. So I, I think yeah. you guys should just share your stories really quickly. I A little casting symposium. Yes. And we were watching it 
a bit last night. And it turns out it was Alison Bree's role that she auditioned for, not oh. Emma Roberts. That's great. Yeah. Um, are, after this is done, will you share the jaw-dropping audition you told me about it after off mic after our last episode? Which one? I said, oh, my God. It's a short-term. What? Oh, sure. Okay, okay. okay yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> See my short-term memory shit. Hello, hello. So, yes, Hi, it's true. The rumors are true. <laughs> Oh, it's um, always great to have Amanda drop in and say hello. It's yeah, perfect. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, well, Paul auditioned as well. So why don't you guys just yeah. briefly tell your story? So what's your truth? Um, well, I guess I'll start. Just jump in, please. I received an email from my managers, and <laughs> it said, "Guess what? You have an audition for Scream Three, Four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> That's a common mistake. I keep mistake. thinking there certainly can't be four, but yeah, okay. <laughs> and this was how, like, when, what year was this movie? It was 2011. Yeah. Okay, and it was for I I was watching it because I watched the opening um, last night with Matt. The the of Screen Four. A screen mm-hmm. four. I watched it up basically up until Al. Well, I, it's not you do spoilers. Al, and we've yeah. all seen it. Allison Brie gets killed yeah okay? and then at first i thought i had auditioned for the emma roberts part but then i realized when i started watching it i had auditioned for the allison brie role because the lines were familiar or just the lines the... were familiar and i was like there's a lot of women of the same age range mm-hmm. like even the high school kids are like a little bit older so yeah. it's like it's hard to tell but but i believe <laughs> what i auditioned with were like fake sides mm. that would make sense because they're always hiding the script and shooting fake endings for these movies. Okay. Yeah. And then, so what role did you audition for? Um, oh, uh, 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 for uh, the Adam Brody's part. Oh! So the, the deputy oh, oh, cop wow. part. But um, I, I was going to ask you, um, like... Uh, or, or, or you made me realize I do think they were dummy pages. And so I'm like, oh, I couldn't last night watching it really nail down like what was the audition. That's what uh, I was thinking, too, because I was like, I don't really I mean, gosh, I probably would not anyway. But I didn't like the lines. I was like, I can't imagine myself ever saying those lines. I feel like they were they were different. But I rem- I do remember maybe wearing a blazer to the audition. <laughs> it was a professional role. Do you, do you remember how it went? The blazer no. looks great. <laughs> it looks, it, oh, it looks great. No, I, I, I don't super remember how it went, but I do. This is what I, how I assume it went. I assume I was really excited and worked really hard, yeah. and then, and then like did like mediocre in the audition and left feeling disturbed. Perfect. I mean, that's exactly how my experience too. Yeah, you work really hard. Your best audition was on the way over in the car. <laughs> yes. You're like third to worst, not your, yeah. the royal your. Yeah. Uh, uh, you the, go in. The, the second to worst one is the one you did on camera for people. You do it once, they say thank you, and you leave knowing you're not going to get it. Yep. <laughs> what would that have been if you were both in it and killed on the Scream franchise and such? Because they had pretty good deaths, both of them. I mean, that's true. Well, I was telling Matt when he first mentioned you had auditioned for, I was, I auditioned too. I was like, wow, we would have definitely become best friends. 
oh, buddies, buddies on set, and then after a wrap, we're still buddies. Yeah, yeah, that's that would what have what been happened. Guys like met and fell in love, and they'll go whole uh, different, whole different. Um, you guys didn't know each other, two thousand ten ish, eleven. No, this was right. Um, was it two thousand eleven? But I didn't know you when you yeah. auditioned for this. So you, you guys. When it would have been all. Leslie? You would have already. I would have had to steal you uh, away from uh, <laughs> Leslie. Uh, Leslie and I met around 2010, 2011. Really? Yep. Yeah. Maybe we all would have gotten together. Doors. Did you guys audition for sliding doors? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did have that haircut. Like which, which slide? the the short, the iconic. Oh, um, yeah iconic haircut which one the- she cuts her hair in sliding doors it's like one version's long hair one version's like short hair Gwyneth remember which, it's like which little- door did you prefer which door hairstyle oh I I mean I like the short haircut yeah 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 yeah. okay I see yes 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 <laughs> uh, do you remember where the auditions were held no, do you? I don't know the address, but I remember like the vibe of the waiting room is different than others it was like kind of like a den with like bookcases and a rug. It, it was like sounds warm kind of familiar. I was just actually padded chairs and stuff. Looking in my email to see if I could even find the um the e because I don't delete emails. My inbox is so crazy. Oh, I have that's like, cool though. Yeah, then I, you have it as a yeah, diary. I, let's see. Okay, no, I'm not seeing it here. I, I don't go all the way back to you said 2010, so they would have been 2011, so they would have been casting probably even earlier than that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, first quarter 2011. I don't. Yeah, I'm not seeing it in my email, but yeah, I do remember there being a strange vibe in the in the audition. Yeah, um, carpeted rooms. Sometimes they can bug you out when you walk into them. <laughs> At the very least, they can shock you. <laughs> yes. Well, anything else you remember, hon? Um, I just remember then when I saw the movie and they cast Alison Brie, I was like, okay, yeah. Oh, this is the ultimate question you got to ask when you see it later on screen. What what were your thoughts and feelings? So you were like, um, but did you see stuff you didn't like? In her performance? Yeah. I think, well, I, I was thinking last night when I watched it, you know, when he stabs her against the wall in the parking lot, like against the door or whatever. And then her kind of like, um... The way she like sort of looks at him. I mean, I have to say no, nothing against Alison Brie. I think I would have brought maybe a different um, dimension to the character. Maybe yes. there'd be maybe made her a little bit more complex, maybe mm-hmm. some vulnerability underneath the yep. I'm an A type assistant. You know, maybe I would have added a layer of like, but my, you know, my parents are sick and I'm working to support them <laughs> and all this. This is why I'm driving her book so hard because my commission is going to support. I like that. Yeah. And you- You'd see it in your eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. When I died, I'd be thinking, what will they do? My older sister's going to have to move back in, you know. Oh, the in. torment of that would be, the backstory would be, you'd <laughs> yeah. see it in your death. Did you have, what did you think of Adam Brody's performance? Um, that was one of those situations where um, when the person is your type, um, like Adam Brody is to me. No, like... <laughs> You go, ooh, that stings a little bit more because uh, when somebody is your type, similar type, Adam Brody is not my type. Is not my type as a man. (laughs) Certainly my type. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's easier because it's just like, 
uh, oh, Adam Brody is entirely different they than me. They went so a different route. They went so you're not the as proverbial a, different way. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It doesn't sting as bad. And also, I mean, let's face it. Like, they, but I, I'm not saying you two are different. You and Elsa Brie. You we, guys are much more in alignment than a, me. A with, little bit. A little bit. Than me with the Broadster, <laughs> Mr. O.C. I don't know, Paul. I do see the overlap. I do too. Kind of like laid back. <laughs> Cool guy. No, no, no. <laughs> Boy next door. Uh, both were at the apple pie on a Wednesday night. Not the apple pie. Uh, 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 apple pan? Apple pan. Um, yeah, but no. So overall, I, I did. That one was one I would have wanted to get just because, you know, Scream is like well, so iconic. Covering a movie that you were in. I mean, that's the dream. If we ever get to Goosebumps, that will be the case. Yeah. yeah. I did say um, that was uh, um, what was in the last episode I said to Matt, what was fun about going and auditioning for it was growing up with the screen movies, there's kind of a lore of like, oh, young exciting actors are in oh, these so getting to even audition for it was like the the flattering aspect of that it. is yeah, so i like that true. it yeah. was like we were young and hot and like again yeah that's so true <laughs> and i bet a lot of people auditioned for those first screen movies who who didn't get a part that you you know you'd watch their audition and be like oh my gosh um Marlon Brando auditioned for Scream 3? I like how we're make, trying to make ourselves feel better about not booking about Scream this wound before. from 11 years ago. No, it, it doesn't hurt, but yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, yeah, happy to um, talk shop. Thanks for letting me Yeah, that was bikes. awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, Marlon Brando, who would have played the um, putty part? Yes, Patrick Warburton. He would have been the strong. <laughs> I know it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you Thanks. so much, Amanda. Um, that was great. That was the best yeah. way to talk thank about our audition for experience. sharing your stories. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I. Well, we'll we'll get to the um the the cops that cop duo right. later. We okay. don't have to explore them yeah. um, right now. Oh, so can you share? Sure, yeah. Oh my gosh. So end of the episode last time, we finished recording on your front porch and you tell me this bit of info I never heard before. Do tell, do share with the, our listeners. I auditioned for Max and Rushmore. And it's a bit of a weird story. Hold on. <laughs> Let that sink in for people. That's really what I'll talk about alternate universe. I know, but there's a long way from audition to Max Rushmore to playing Max and Rushmore. I know, I know, I know, I know. But uh... Because it was a weird situation where they were doing, they couldn't find the role. They were casting such a wide net. They started going out to high school theater departments. I was not in high school. But, oh, but I was. you were. I worked as the scenic designer at a very young age. And I think I probably looked a little younger than I was. Uh-huh. At Palos Verdes Peninsula High School. And I can't remember, I honestly cannot remember the circumstances of how I ended up auditioning, but they auditioned me. I don't recall ever was it, it was it here in California? Yeah. Florida. So um, the casting director came to the high school and the drama teacher who was my girlfriend at the time, who was like supposed to- Oh, I see how it is. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's how, how you get the audition. I, I might have been- sleep. With the casting director. She wasn't my girlfriend before this or after. Just um, one 
special night. <laughs> so I don't remember if they just were there and said, will you read or what? I, I were you standing with like other auditioners or were you just- I was there with them. Yeah. I was like always kind of there. I was like the improv. But- you were like the Harrison Ford in the Star Wars audition. Exactly. Yeah, yeah basically. But I didn't work for the school. I was just like an independent contractor for the department and I, I did all the scenic design and like improv stuff and was just active with the department. And- Read, read for it. So that it's not really an exciting story, but still good. Still I think cool. I was too old even at the time. Well, what's interesting is the Mason Gamble, that actor who plays Max's friend in Rushmore. I forget the, the little character's guy? name. Yeah, the blonde haired yeah. boy. I think he originally auditioned for Max ah. and didn't get it. But Mason Gamble's name has always been on my like. 12-year-old's shit list because there was like a national audition for the next Dennis the Menace that he played. And my cousin Jamie, he, I later found out, uh, he lived in Texas. He auditioned for Dennis the Menace. And I was like, how how did you get an audition for? And because it was John Hughes's next movie after Home Alone and oh shit, God. it just seemed... Uh, but... It felt good when I found out he auditioned for Max because I was like, not even Mason Gamble gets everything he wants. No, only Jason Schwartzman, which seems to me, for some reason, why do I think like um, Wes Anderson just started with Jason Schwartzman and then cast this wide net and then went back to him? But I, when yeah. you think about it, I mean, he's a little old looking too for high school. Yeah, and they had to do, uh, I mean, he's perfect in the part. Oh, but he's they had so to, good. Uh, uh, Shave him. He had to get um, uh, body waxing. Oh, that makes Jason sense. Jason Schwartzman did uh, so he'd look younger. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Bill Murray, too, which is weird. Yeah, and Brian Cox. <laughs> and what's weird is, what's her name? Olivia Williams? They, they yeah. glued, glued hair on her. <laughs> oh, my God. That's very strange. <laughs> so if you're listening, we're here to talk about Scream 4. <coughs> My first thought was, it's too bad, in a way, that these movies have been about a killer and knives and people being killed off and a whodunit, and not kind of like comedies about golf, because they'd have a great opportunity to do Scream 4, (laughs) F-O-R-E. It's literally a direction. Scream four. You just sliced your ball off to another fairway. <laughs> you need to scream four. That's what a caddy says to a golfer. Yeah. Scream four. When with the when he slices. Why don't you do it? It doesn't matter who screams four, but you slice the ball well, the ball's already hit someone by now. Maybe that's I wonder if that was a confusion at the box office at the theater. People would come up and they'd say, Scream four. And then the person behind the, in the box office would go, four! Oh, so, sorry. Asshole, every time. And you're in line and you hear this guy doing it multiple times before you even get there. Oh, so that guy is like, he knows he's being funny. He's just messing with people yeah. on opening night of this movie yeah. they want to see. That's not cool guy. I don't, that guy should be fired. <laughs> this imaginary guy should be fired. Um... Well, this is the first time you watched it. Yeah. I think the the the, the first watchers 
thoughts are the the most interesting. So lay it on me, bud. What, I loved what's it. some headlines? I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. All right. I really enjoyed it. I think maybe it's my favorite after the first. Mm-hmm. I think I even liked it more than two. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood is back, man. The blood is and back. This is the bloodiest one yet, right? Yeah. Most graphic. <laughs> I think it is the most graphic and bloodier and uh, uh, all the good for it. It yeah. also, um, it, I don't know if it surpasses, but the it matches, I feel like, the like unsettling quality of the violence in the first one. Like, yeah. when we rewatched the first Scream, I was like still like uh, 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 taken by how that, last scene in the kitchen is just like really wild. Yeah. It goes further. Oh yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. In crazier places than most movies. And so there was some stuff in this that got dark and sinister in mm-hmm. a way that I was like, Oh, scream two and three never did. And yeah. It was a welcomed return. Like the throat slitting, the ball stabbing and, it was just very oh, right. visceral, and it was shot darker this time. I thought, you know, there was some like <laughs> that was my first thought watching yeah. it was was you um, talking about in the first one when you saw it. It was just like, oh, the lighting is really bright, and the cinematography is really bright. And this one, it's so dark. There's sometimes in the dark scenes where it almost seems like there's a rim of darkness, like. A very wide iris out that just sometimes touches the corners. Not in like daylight lit scenes. You mean like a vignetting? Yeah, it's sort of like in the four corners, you'll just kind of see like a, yeah. I I think that might have been maybe some post-production darkening or something. Or possibly they're using a lens or filtering or something. When I saw it, I did think it was maybe like a post-production thing. Because I was like, I don't know how you could consistently be having this kind of dark, rim like um i also noticed just because i'm thinking of it now um i thought it was cool and interesting just in a a production way they color timed the stab footage with heather graham differently uh seemingly i think they did for this movie Uh. so it does look grittier and more post Texas Chainsaw Remake. Oh, right. Yeah, I did notice that, but not consciously. Now that you say that, I can... Also, thumbs, thumbs, thumbs up to them watching the movie that they were watching in the theater and Scream 2 again. It's just so cool. Yeah. I love that stuff. There's obvious that this is not just a meta film. This is literally like meta, meta. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the false starts. And I just loved, loved, loved the opening because the first twist happens and you're just like okay all bets are off yeah it was a great way to escalate the opening of a screen movie and then yeah. to have it happen again was up there with the two nightmares in american werewolf in london oh yeah would you see the poster for american werewolf yes, on yes. Uh, uh jill's door yeah. um yeah i mean um my wife uh my lovely wife leslie is a total a screamer, uh-huh. screamhead, and I think maybe her far- favorite part of the franchise is the opening of Scream Four. Yes. Like yeah, she was like, I was telling her, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch Scream Four. She's like, Oh, I want to watch the opening with you. She loves it, howls with like <laughs> laughter when a 
Kristen Bell stabs Anna Paquin yeah. and stuff. Uh, she really digs it. What's so brilliant about it is yeah. that you start with that first sequence with the two girls. And now Lucy Hale is becoming a bit of a known actress. But at the time, I would wager she wasn't, right? Yeah. And so you don't really know who these girls are. So you've had Drew Barrymore. You've had Jada Pinkett Smith. You've had... Uh, Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary. <laughs> So you're thrown for a loop and yes. then when you, when it twists and you're, it's stab six and then you, then you get to Chris, I mean, um, Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. Yes. You think you're in the movie because these are name actors. These are known actors. Right. And so you're, you're safe. You're, you're in the movie. Oh, that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Then you go, that's when your brain clicks in. We're into the real movie because now we're seeing identical stars. Yeah. And the surprise isn't going to be that they die. We know that. The surprise is just the quickness that it happens and it's from one star to the yeah. other. And then That's you a go good back way of looking at it. To no, no names at the time, I think. I mean, I don't think Eber Roberts was known. Uh, well, it doesn't go to... Um, that then the third one that's what's that's great. right then oh, it yeah. goes to two yeah. relative unknowns again yeah um, that's a great way to look at it man because i was getting a little nitpicky where i was like oh what if it opened with two known actors uh-huh kristen bell anna paquin they get killed it's watched by two relative unknowns they get killed because then you would be like Oh, I thought these actors were the ones in the new Scream Four. Yeah, I would think that after yeah. the celebrities were killed, right? And so, now that's not how the way you described it. That's how it worked on me. You described how it worked for me the first time I saw it in the theater. That's how it should work. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, oh, would it be more a surprise if the celebrities die first? Then it goes to the unknowns, and you like. I'm in Scream 4 now. These are the unknowns. They offed right. the celebrities already. But you you make a good point. When those celebrities die, then you think they're done being meta. Or when the celebrities show up. Yes. You think it's done Because you being think you're meta. back into the Scream formula or something. Or, yeah. Well done. Yeah, that's it's, what you do. It's perfect. It's also like, um, this movie is just like such a great, uh, nearly like perfect balance of the cleverness to actual scares ratio. Yeah, I think you're right, especially since the first. And I got to commend Wes Craven and uh, Kevin Williamson because at their points in their career, I could see maybe their meters being a little off for this sort of stuff. But all of the references are so not sweaty. Yeah. They don't feel like hackneyed or like forced in. And that point near the end when Hayden Panettiere is like crying as she's, oh, she's listing so off this the, movie? Oh, she's like, I think probably my favorite yeah. performance. She's the Parker perform- Posey for this movie. Yes. Yep. I thought the same thing. Yeah. 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 She's what Parker Posey was to Scream 3. Yeah. Uh, Hayden is to uh, Scream 4. The, but yeah, the um, if those references happen, they kind of come out of a, an emotional or character place. They don't just feel like. I could so easily see Scream 4 would be really dumb, gimmicky references to new stuff, and it's getting softer in the violence. So the fact that it was 
non-sweaty, not stupid references with bloody, actually scary kills. Hey, well done, Scream 4. Yeah, it's like they recalibrated in such the right way. I think I was just now taking stock of the whole franchise and how we've mm-hmm. talked about this being whodunits or somebody actually wrote somewhere I saw that was more like who's doing it, a who's doing it, not a whodunit. That's an aid. You know, Columbo's are the uh, how done it. Yeah. 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 So it's the who's doing it. Oh, because it's still happening. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Uh, who's doing it? <laughs> and, and so. When I was able to reframe these movies in my mind that way, they did really sit nicely with me in a way where before as kind of slasher movies with these twist reveals, it's it's not the unbelievability of the twist reveals I was having a hard time with. The thing that still remains for me like that is the problem why I think these aren't super perfect like a Halloween was mm-hmm. to me is that the motivations of the killers are always such a leap that I, every time they reveal their motivations, I'm always kind of like, okay, even in this one, yeah. but the execution of the reveals is always really good. Yes. Like, especially in one and four. The, this four surprised one, me in the theater. Yeah. And I just mean the drama, the tension, the playing out of the scene. I mean, two and three surprised me in the theater. I'm an idiot. Oh, me too. I mean, well, because they're built that way. They're built so well that, and especially with this one, they're playing against red herrings. They're setting up red That's herrings. True. Yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, like when Emma Roberts revealed why she's doing this, because she wants the attention of a victim, I just, you know, like, it's fine. It's a movie. There's willing suspension of disbelief. I don't have an issue with that. I love these movies. Uh-huh. But there is a little moment where I'm taken out of like, okay, there's no sociopath that's that clearly delineated where you're just that sweet all the time and you have the d- desire and then then you're just all attention, attention. I know I'm picking this. No. Good. Like, I hear you because I feel like what you're sort of or what you're getting at is kind of like when... Uh, a character because of the plot means that they don't get the nuance it's, and attention yeah. that they deserve. And like, she doesn't get the Nev Campbell treatment no. that, or, or that Sydney got in the first one. Right. Um, because it can't. The one thing rewatching it, I did think like, oh, I should have been hep. A little more hip to the uh, 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 to Jill being the killer because she kind of disappears. Yeah, for about twelve to fifteen minutes there when it's. Um, I did not see it coming. Well, I didn't either. So I mean, clearly I didn't notice her missing. And I think when I was sitting in the theater, I remember when I saw like Sydney and uh, Kirby uh, share a frame. I was like, oh, this is so cool. That's what this Scream 4 is doing was kind of like, I had no idea Hayden could so potentially become close to being the final girl. Uh And that there was kind of like two final girls, one older, one younger. And it's not Emma Roberts. And then when Emma Roberts, it's like, oh, the final girl is the killer? What a cool twist. Yeah, I think where I was heading in a simpler way of saying it is that the formula of these scream films is flawed from the beginning because you have to, in order to fool with a twist, you have to have intentions that are not, not only not predictable, but that 
will surprise you. So they, it, for me, it does take me out a little bit when they are revealed. That being said, because that's just baked in from the beginning, it is what it is. The rest of it, I'm realizing, is so wonderful and it's such a perfect version of that kind of thing. And that's why it reminds me of an Agatha Christie because it is not in a pejorative way, like a yeah. formulaic, we're coming to this. Someone also I saw wrote like a Scooby-Doo mystery. This is essentially, these are repeat Scooby-Doo mysteries of the same thing with a different oh God, twist. Yes. They're episodic versions of who is it going to be this time? I'm not saying anything new. I just didn't always know that. I didn't ever think of that. Kevin Williamson is a child of like yeah. the late 60s, 70s. He would have been watching Scooby-Doo. I love the idea of like, it is like the end you pull off a mask. The When you were saying like these movies have a formula in Scream 4, I started thinking when I was watching it like, oh, you, I, fans of Scream. By Scream 4, they're like, everybody's the Randy about yeah, Scream. exactly. They're going like, I'm watching these now going like, there is a formula here and you guys are following it. That's good or not, you know, and the movie is seemingly aware of that. I also like the simplicity of the, I mean, part fours can get so haywire. Um, We could also talk about that, how um, horror franchises, not necessarily saying part four is the best, but with all the franchises, that's right. It's there's no going better in quality after it's, after it's diminishing returns after four. And four is usually a, a step up from three yes. in some ways because I think they've figured out the formula, but also like they're, it's comfortable or something. Yeah. But normally there's, there's not enough this distance much time. maybe from the original and the sequels to know what works in the machine and yeah. they like feed it the machine what it needs. And especially I think with this franchise and to a certain extent Halloween, the fours came later. So there was really some time to oh. reflect isn't the word, but you know what I mean? No, I mean when we were watching Screen with Three everybody in that looks so tired and exhausted and you can see that they tried to scream uh, uh, cram three scream movies in four years yeah what I love about this you can see it in the actors eyes the returning actors eyes they're tanned yeah they're well rested happy to be there and they are happy to be there they now have some distance from scream to be like I love Scream. This is awesome that this is a part of my career. Yeah. So when Sydney comes back and she, you just see peace and happiness in, in Sydney's eyes. I also see like Dev Campbell like being at peace with like, hey, I'm into Scream Four. I'm not just giving you twenty minutes in Scream Three. Yeah. I can't believe how dated, how not dated, almost all of these movies seem to me, at least for movies of their kind. And 10 years is usually when things really seem dated. Yeah. This did not, other than that like flip text phone, just right. text stuff is always going to date you. Yep. But just tone and style. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, some, in some ways, like uh, ahead of the curve with um, something that could have easily 10 years out been like, ooh, that age, badly. They had no insight of what the future was. Um, like the live streaming aspect. Yeah, they call it webcasting, but other than the the apparatus he's using. But yeah, but yeah. the 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 um the culture. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the technique is different, but the culture is like that was. Uh, I hate being like somebody who says this sort of stuff, but it is like in 2022 more dead on than yeah. it was in 2011. No doubt. Um, so like I was like 
pretty blown away by that. I it did make me think like I've been thinking lately about how um Oh, cuz not much uh uh, uh like culturally music movies tv i found like man woman tv camera camera <laughs> i feel like the the um the cycling through and changing is slower now uh but technology is faster and I've started wondering, man, if <laughs> if there is a trade-off of like when technology is advancing exponentially year by year, culture kind of becomes like a gr- grounding aspect, and so you're you're not like the 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 classic example of and the Beatles are the Beatles. They're like one of a once in a universe thing, but like. Going from I Want to Hold Your Hand in 64 to Sgt. Pepper in 67, like that's a huge, now that's just the Beatles, but other things were happening around that time. I feel like I, and maybe this is going back to like memory and things just felt more impactful when I was a young man. Now I'm old, but. um, You mean like. Have movies changed that much in the last 10 years? It's like, is there a Moore's Law for pop culture do you know what i'm talking about uh-uh, Moore's law is the like the rate with which technology will um double in um is it like like effectability or like storage basically just like the power of technology will double and do so exponentially as it goes on yeah i that aspect, yeah, I I thought I didn't know it was called that, but I do like that idea of just like it helps me understand like how I went from thinking my f- friend Matt was so cool because he had a little TV in his bathroom to now just everybody constantly has a little TV in I their see. bathroom on their in, in their pocket, like. But um, <laughs> but do you mean that? Sorry, do you mean that in terms of? Excuse me. Bless you. In terms of like plotting and and movie style and writing, or are you talking about the technology of creating popular culture? I mean the the style and the writing. Yeah. It it doesn't. I get where you're going, and I, I was not getting pushed. Similar. Bound the boundaries aren't getting pushed as much. Maybe in TV they are. You see, sort of, but like even now, as like there's more content, I feel like it kind of becomes a flattening of. Maybe the original stuff can pop out more, but I just, I don't feel like the big cultural sea change that existed. I don't know. I know. I, I kind of see what you're but saying. The, the reason I was bringing it up was Scream 4 had about 11 years, a decade of junk to talk about. Yeah. And why is it that? 10 years forward we're still kind of talking about that same junk in a way that hasn't even with the horror movies and stuff I mean like the big thing that's obviously changed is like Get Out was a huge phenomenon um, but horror wise I, I I don't know like it, it's making I'm just thinking like Scream 5 what's the the stuff of that going to be 
I, I have a sense of what it is just from reading a little bit about mm. it. But you're right, because if, if Scream, the first Scream, ushered in the meta concept, maybe it wasn't exactly the first, but it would certainly propelled it. Mm-hmm. We're still there with Halloween and the new Scream, Matrix. Everything's meta. Everything's commenting on the things before it. Yeah. It does make me long for something episodic like an Indiana Jones movie that literally takes place the year before. And so who cares? Whatever. Yeah. But, but notice in this, this movie was so adept at red herring and, and all of them mm-hmm. have been in a way, but this one really played not only on what you would expect to be a red herring, but I think on what the previous films had done. So mm-hmm. they cast Mary McDonnell as the mother of Emma Roberts. It, and, and you're immediately going, she's it, barely in this. She's a name actress. I'm being Metcalfed here. She's the killer. 1,000%. Yeah, I, I called like, her a red the- Metcalf to Amanda. <laughs> it was the Metcalf. She was the Metcalf. And I think they're doing that on purpose. To, yep. to, and then her death was incredible through the mailbox. The mail slot. And it's so funny because right before that happened, I was seeing the knife attack and I was like, thinking, oh, in the screen movies, they always, I love it. They're always using that knife. But the trade-off is you don't get the slasher, like, inventive use of, like, yeah. a weed whacker or something. <laughs> uh, but lo and behold, they used a very, they found a very creative way to use that knife. Through and the a attention slot. to detail with which I understand you can go buy father death costume anywhere. But to get that same very classic hunting knife every time. So Those are true fans. What I want to know is how how like upfront are they being about this because Mary McDonald is a name do they go to her and say we need you to play a small part because this is an important role but it's an important role in a meta way your time on screen the words you're saying they're not going to seem like it's not a meaty juicy part but what you will do is serve a great role for the greater good of this film or do they just go here's a role will you take it you know? no yeah I think you'd have to like flatter uh, a veteran actor to get them to come and do like a sort of two scene thing where they die the second scene if you went well the thing we're playing on is the audience expects you to be around through the whole movie you're a star so you're Janet Lee yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it did So, and you know this is like I think the fourth time uh, I've watched Scream 4, um, uh, um, Scream 4, fourth time. <laughs> but I was still surprised. The last time I watched it was like three years ago. I was still surprised that um, Robbie, Charlie's friend, wasn't in on it. Like when he got killed, I was like, yeah. oh God, this movie still manages uh, to surprise me. You expect him to be because he's the Lillard type. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that um, Lillardian. That that's a cultural difference from '96 to 2011 was not just the lighting, but the um, mode of naturalistic behavior. Yeah, like these guys are oh, these right. high schoolers exist in a a super bad yes world where you can like mumble totally. and and <laughs> not talk. I mean, again, hats off to Kevin Williams and not like trying to have them talk all Dawson's Creaky. There's a couple, like you said, every screen movie, there's uh, a couple. I can't remember what they were. Where you kind of wince. Yeah. 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 Um, my first note on this is just the word Trudy. 
And then my next one is Marnie. And it cracks me up that there are teenagers at this time named Trudy and Marnie. Yeah, I don't know what Trudy is a reference to, but I did think Marnie must be the Hitchcock yeah, maybe. thing. But Trudy, Trudy. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you were like, you have to, we have two new classmates, Trudy and Marnie. Yeah, I know. You'd be like, uh. Time travelers, I'm calling it. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh. Uh, oh, also, I, I just wanted to share. I have a theory why I think these Scream movies are so good. Do like, tell. Like, why Scream 3 is not anybody's favorite, but it's really not that bad? No. I think when you talk shit, you gotta, like, right, you gotta, like, um, what am I trying to say? You gotta back it up. They're talking shit about horror movies. Oh, yeah. They're talking shit about all movies. You can't then go and make a movie that sucks. Like, Good point. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so I don't know. I would feel like if um, I was at a party and I was shit talking to somebody at a party, being like, this person came in and like bringing everybody down. <laughs> well, half of the time I'd have to be a real charming motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they're like, you're more of a doubter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, makes me curious to watch Scary Movie. <laughs> oh, they, those movies are bulletproof. Yeah. They're How many per- of those are there? Five. Five Scary Movies? So they, they beat Scream has finally caught up with them. So we will say, you know, we've been debating on whether or not to watch the new Scream mm-hmm. because of Omicron and everything. And so we at least decided maybe we'll take next week and do scary movie and then Perfect. reassess after that. Yep. But we'll let you know next that's week. That's awesome. Whatever. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, um, yeah. So, um, and the distinction, it does seem to be, cause who knows? We're not, we haven't seen Scream five yet. Right. If this one does seem to be about the focus, it does seem to be remakes and reboots is the kind of main stuff that they're yeah. pulling from. Um, there's times where they go, well, with a remake, you got to do something that's unexpected. I was like, I think that's sequels too. Yeah. Like, I don't, the distinction is sometimes a little tough, but the distinction I think will maybe even be tougher, although I'm hearing great things. I'm hearing Screen good Five. things too. So I yeah. bet it will blow me. I mean, I bet anything I say, I'll sound like a real dummy, but um, like the change in franchises now seem to be kind of the legacy bringing back the original person to the thing, but that's what Scream's been all along. Never the case in um, this. I looked at the cast. It's just your your three main people, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and I don't really recognize that many other people. Mm-hmm. Deputy Hicks is in it, mm. but unless they're hiding cameos or something like that, it's not like the other ones where they're kind of Although I shouldn't say that because there's like all these like young people in it, and I probably just have no idea who they are. <laughs> they're up. They're the Pauls and Amandas of, yes. of today of 2022. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just when you were saying that, though, I had to think like with the first four screen movies, the fact that they got all the surviving in in universe surviving characters to return. Yeah, and the original writer and director yeah. and having them mostly be a part of all of those first four, that's not a rarity just with horror franchises. That's a rarity with any movie franchise. But it also shows 
ownership and like they all care about it and they have a stewardship over this thing that I think they don't want to see someone else. I think also it. Harvey and Bob Weinstein left Dimension by this point. Uh, and I could be wrong, might be wrong, but I also felt like you can feel like a, a creative freedom in there that mm. by part three was entirely yeah, drained. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, um, and the dimension logo at the beginning was a little different. How so? Just just a little brighter. sleeker. Yeah, it's a little, little more in your face or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dimension, you dirty devil! <laughs> and it had the sound of the phone ringing underneath it, which yeah. I thought was bold because in 2011, I don't know how many landline phones were I ringing. Know. Well, now I want you because in in Scream when we did that, you said. Oh, the way this scream voice unfolds, ghost face voice, it just gets worse and worse and worse. I'm wrong. I see what you're saying, though. But I, I have noticed now, especially towards these later ones, something funny about Ghostface on the phone. <laughs> he gets really indignant at times when, like, he's not getting the credit. So at one point, I forget who's, I think Kirby's on the phone and she's like, is this Trevor? And he goes like, it's not Trevor. And he's so upset that just like, I'm doing all this work. And, oh, oh. That's a, that's a true, it, it is. I guess it lines up with uh, um, what Emma Roberts character is of like wanting fame and attention. The, I guess it does now like, that no, you mention it. Yeah. Stop talking about Trevor. Talk about me, baby. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad that they didn't focus on how they can make his voice sound like that. The voice modifier. It's just an app this time. They mentioned it. Ah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it was a good way to handle it. Just ghost face app. Yeah. Yeah. I want a ghost face does app. Does that? It probably does exist, huh? Yeah. Something like it. I want to ghost face somebody now. Not kill them, but just uh, call them. I want a ghost face killer someone. <laughs> now, I do think the first, how could it not be? The, the beginning of the first scream is way scarier yeah scream four's opening is scarier than i think two or three but you still know generally what you're in for yeah, yeah. and uh i wish like the first one they had just found a way to i think i gotta go through three different kind of openings so i get it but I like know you mean make the suspense a little bit more taut because that's what i like about the openings of scream movies is the kind of like you get a real taste of suspense at the very beginning that then kind of hangs over for the rest of the yeah. movie. And Ghostface wines and dines his victims in the beginning, or this one is a little bit of wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, maybe that's why he gets so irate so quickly. He just doesn't have the time to kind of do the slow burn <laughs> up to, uh, but they did go back to the old classic right at the beginning of like, uh, they know their greatest hit. He says something about touching bone, which we're like, Oh, oh yeah. and scream Two. He says something about, hitting bone with the knife and yeah. that it being effective. Do you think we could take us a, a stream pour? Oh my God. A stream pour break, please. Yeah. Yes. All right. We'll be right back and then we'll get into the movie. Huh? Beautiful. I guess we already have. <laughs> with and Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With Corley and Rust. And we're back. And better than ever. Yeah, we're back for the fourth um, I was trying to think of a fourth movie where they like have a line where they're like, "We're back for the third time." <laughs> Probably Poltergeist four. <laughs> um, something I did know in when we discussed Scream three, I was like, "It's interesting." There doesn't seem to be the meta element in the stab movies. Stab movies just seem to be conventional horror movies. But in the mm. beginning of this one, uh, uh, they, they're they talking movie, horror movies in the Stab movie. And then um, uh, Anna Paquin says, oh, those Stab movies with their postmodern talk, that's all over. Uh, so at some point, those Stab movies did become like the Scream referent were became self-referential and stuff and it it's kind of too early to say that the meta horror thing is all over because it was just getting started that's right even scream four hey if you're inside like a russian doll you don't know necessarily if there's a bigger russian doll inside you or a smaller one inside you or a bigger one out you're inside i would hope you'd know if there was one inside you but you yeah you're right you may not know well maybe i would hope you would know if you were if you were inside one, because you just want to be able to look up and be like, "Hey, I'm in darkness." What it is, <laughs> yes, it's you don't know how many are beyond the one you're in. That's really good, unless you're the big one. Yeah, you don't know if in Aristotle's cave outside that cave, there's like kind of like um, like a cool jam band. Exactly, and like with Roger Moore's law, you don't know. The, how um, leathery your skin can be until you suntan it for years and years and years. Uh, I did feel like there was um, I I love Sydney's character in part four. Uh, it's like exactly uh, those, I loved her arc and stuff. Yeah. Um, but she's now reaching like John McClane, James Bond levels Absolutely. where at the end, she could say to the villain, after the villain thinks they're going to get away with it, she'll go, you'll slip up. They always do. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that is eventually James Bond sort of worldview is like, I don't have to even really worry about it. These guys always fuck themselves over. It'd be funny if in this next one, every time Ghostface like attacks her, kills someone around her, she's always critiquing like, not bad, but I've seen better. Mickey. <laughs> really had the physicality down where you know <laughs> yeah my half brother I wonder if Nev has her own Randy-esque like ranking of the best ghost face killers that she's yeah. had to face what did you think about the fact that Gail Weathers is 
sidelined fairly seriously in this movie where she's wounded and then put in the hospital and she has one little brief moment in the end that she plays, but she's not really a part of a climax in this one. Kind of like Nev Campbell was sidelined a little in three. Part three, yeah. And um, there's not a really, I, I agree, and there's not really like a good emotional reasoning for why Dewey is kind of like elbowing her out so hard. I get it that like the reasons the movie give us is like, he's a sheriff now, so he has to take it seriously. And he suspects that she wants a story, but like they didn't really, I I was like, they're not sharing a lot of scenes together and the spark is gone. And I was like, that's either the plot is dictating that or no, I think were they divorced by this point? I, believe or maybe they were having issues this is all conjecture yeah but i but it wasn't as blissful as scream one and two no definitely not they every time they restart gail's arc and it is getting that's the only thing that really felt repetitive other than just the formulaic thing but i buy that it's just every time gail ends an honorable type of like she's learned her lesson and every time you come back and she's yeah it's know, funny in of, part four she seems annoyed herself about that because she's saying to Dewey like I didn't just write about these I wasn't the media like I helped you solve these cases so why are you not letting me in part four help yeah. you get like uh, I, I did think oh this is the dynamic I wanted in part three yeah that they're together the movie starts with them together it's just they're having troubles right so this felt a little delayed and then yeah i just didn't get the same like dewey gale sparks that i wanted no it was not dewey or gale force it was dry (laughs) temperate (laughs) yeah and i feel like um the character who gets suffers the most from like misguided sequelization is Dewey's character where they kind of like, it's up what happening a little bit with like Axel Foley, the Beverly yeah. Hill cops one was like, <laughs> well, it's, well he, he should say that because his phone ring is Axel F. Ah, that's right. Uh, that it's like, no, this guy stops being a goofball after a while. It was just a good cop. Yeah. And, that means he gets like he was at his most dewy and I loved it at the very end scene when she's like it's too bad uh, 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 old Sydney had to die and his eyes light up he's like here's the thing Sydney is alive like that sort of like yeah um guileless yeah uh but dumb yeah uh uh attitude was a nice like return to the dewy I love yeah um, but, uh, yeah, back to what you were saying with the Courtney Cox, she does get, I didn't really quite notice that, that, right, screams one through three, she is way more of the, um, she motivates a lot of the, uh, action and stuff. It might've been their relationship. It might've been, is this like when she's deep in the heart of Cougar Town? Who knows? Well, I bet you she's plays a heavy part in this New one. The highlights are bright. The highlights <laughs> at night are big and bright. <laughs> Deep in, in the, the heart of, of Cougar, Cougar Town. Town. <laughs> um, all right. So going back to the beginning. <laughs> I like the grout. <laughs> Thank you. 
I yes. love when Kristen Bell stabs Anna Paquin, and you can just see the whole square rig in her under her shirt. Like when she leans over, there's just like oh my big, god, I didn't see yeah, that. I love it. Well, I love it because then that shows that there was some uh, practicality. A there. lot of it practicality. All, in yeah. Those effects. Yeah. Oh, and that first kill that they're watching in the stab movie with the girl in the doorway. And then the two girls, she's like, he's saying in the text. Yeah. Um, he's right beside me. That's when I was like, ooh, blood is back. Yeah, me too. That's and, what I wrote. I wrote blood's back, baby. Oh, my God. The throat slash. Yeah. The the length that they stay on her, just like having blood like gurgling out I of know, her neck. So much of it. Yeah. What a welcomed return. It and, felt like they had a blood quota on each film and couldn't use it on two and three. And they're like, we have to make up for it. In four. That's funny. It, I guess it also says something. Yeah. about the state of horror at the time was walking dead on TV by this point. I think, I think so. so. Because I remember that kind of being the dividing line. And I don't even know if filmmakers were making the argument, which is like, Hey, MPAA, AMC is airing this insane gore right now, right. and it's going on people's televisions uh, without any sort of uh, 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 filter yeah, uh, or obstacles. When you think about it, it's kind of funny that these movies were toned down because of what happened in Columbine, theoretically. Uh-huh. And then we get to 2011, and it's way gorier, and school shootings are like 100 times as prevalent as Columbine, we've become so desensitized yeah. by it that a school shooting no longer means you have to like tone down your movie. Yeah. And by 2011, the, the political arguments that are going on about movies are too violent and they're influencing kids are just like out the window. Nobody, yeah. thank God. I'm kind of like those Friday the 13th, five through eight suffer because there was some sort of like weird moralizing yeah. that was going on that meant I didn't get to see people's heads get squished. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that the, and you know, they, they also put this in the context of the saw movies and torture porn. Oh, yeah. And those movies were known for their visceral goriness. So maybe that was also the, not even the argument that you have to make. It was just like the league that they have to be in, coming back as Scream 4. Right. Um, I don't think it is, but it could also be a meta quality, uh, commentary on what does happen with horror movies. Happened with Halloween. It goes from like relative bloodless. I mean, their yeah. peaks and valleys are a little different, but a lot of times part fours are the ones where gore is out of control because they're it just trying like to top it. it. Yeah, I would like to see Stab 7 with whatever the story is, why... Kristen Bell just kills her friend to prove a point. <laughs> oh, and I love that when they're trying to tease out, it, it's basically um, identifying that, oh, the audience is now all Randy's. Yeah. Like where, oh, I guess it's in the third reveal where they go, she goes, but I don't understand how in Stab 7 can they be referencing? And she goes, I think you're overthinking it. Or did the people making it just underthink it? I was like, that is... yeah. What this podcast, like, right. we don't debate things in that manner, but like, that's the question you could always ask with all of these is like, are we overthinking it or are they underthinking it? That's a it? good thing to remember moving forward because there are certain movies that really welcome overthinking and certain movies, I think that's why I always get 
peeved by people making that argument that James Bond is the same, is a different men using the same code name thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're overthinking it. That was never an intention. Just yeah. let it be. This existed in a time before canon. Let oh, I it hate be. it too. I think also that kind of overthinking I don't like because anytime if somebody has a theory, they'll present unusual things that happened in the movie that maybe I just didn't clock. And it just sort of helps me underline like, that is kind of weird how this happens in the... But with the James Bond, like he's everybody, they're not offering up weird uh, idiosyncratic things that have existed in the movie all along. And they're kind of like at least presenting it so I can just think about that stuff. It's just... No, they're just doing references as nods. The Marvelization of cinema has really screwed people over because there's a like almost like a like Christianity and the literalism of Jesus walked on water and so no it's par- parable and things like that same thing with bond it's it's not meant to be canon it's it's meant to change the actor changed but the yeah. guy's the same this wasn't a problem back then but now in today's world everybody expects wikipedia of every different franchise that can connect every single dot it's impossible with james bond and it's not meant to be and i actually find it quaint these days to be able to have like a little bit of just abstract multi without a doubt world kind of thing and because like marvel is even connecting its its multiple universes not in a way that was ever intended but because of deals that sony and marvel and disney had they've apparently done a great job and that's something that Marvel was huge with in the comic books originally of connecting what if and well, universes I'm glad and they figured out corporate synergy I know but that's what it is make no mistake I was saying like yeah there's a long tradition in people making sure corporate synergy works I, I know and I love that in Bond that he has the Aston Martin and Casino Royale but he has it in Skyfall but it's a different side driver's yeah. side and everybody's like well then it can't be the same one it's the same one just yeah. let it I know the uh, the non-canonical canonical sloppiness that in movies I like it because it's groovy man <laughs> yeah see it just makes you just it said it better groovier. than I took probably five minutes no, to no, no, go no, on a tirade no, I don't think so and I'd like to just follow up and echo you and say it's groovy man it's, it's just groovy. looser it's cooler yeah don't get hung up on this stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't A-type your favorite things, which is not to say we can't nitpick, but when to overthink and when to underthink is a really good thing to remember. Yeah. because The screen movies welcome overthinking because yeah. they have a lot of thought put into them. Yeah. I And that's right when I'm watching that intro and I'm going like, oh, would I have liked the known actors to be the beginning? I forced myself... They're, as I'm watching it, they're going, somebody says, like, shut the fuck up. Like, when uh, she's stabbing her, <laughs> it's like, you don't have to have an opinion about everything or, or whatever. Like, uh, I did, I was like, well, that's a pr- nice protective shell the movie's giving itself, but it's also, like, uh, it felt more like a challenge. Like, hey, this movie is going to be up for yeah. scrutiny. You can overthink it. And just how simple it was that it is, like... How did I not see this coming? It is just a very simple twist on the on screen one. Yeah, that's it's like true. instead of the two high school boys doing it, you think it's going to be it's 
the guy and the girl, and the girl wants to be what Sydney was at the end of Scream One. It's like really perfect. It's so simple, and, and they're so not over. Talk about overthinking, underthinking. They don't overthink that. It's just she wants to be like Sydney at the end of the first Scream, first step. But Charlie is is he? Does he have an analog? Charlie would be. Well, <laughs> I thought this is. There is a question of sort of like, why Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody for the cops, right? Uh-huh. They're known, attractive actors. And I was like, is there just some sort of like vice versa Freaky Friday casting that's going on where the two Deweys, the guys who would usually be cast as the Deweys, are the Billy Loomis... Now, I know Matthew Lillard is like a gawky no, guy. No, I see what you mean, though. But those guys are much more presented as... Um, well, no, these guys are pretty cool. I think you hit it forward. on the head with Superbad. That's what this is, even down to the cops, kind of in a way. Oh, yes. They're a little bit more sophisticated than movies give cops. And Bill go. Hader, Adam Brody, kind of Seth Rogen, and Anthony Anderson's a little yes. stock here. You're right. I think is that simple. And and also what was in vogue and even, you know, like nerd cultures on the rise. And so mm-hmm. instead of the alpha skeet and Lillard type, his sidekick, you get the the nerd cinema nerd. It's like Scream in its own way created these kind of alpha nerds. It was part of it. And yeah. here they are. I mean, when at the end, um, when Charlie kills Kirby... He says something like, uh, you didn't pay attention to me for four years and now you do. Um, that's, that's incel fandom. For sure. And there's just something going on with Rory Culkin throughout that whole movie where I'm like, he's so still. And the way he just looks at people. He's awesome. It's off putting, but in an amazing way. Yeah. Where the whole time I did not suspect him as the killer, but. He should have because he's kind of intense and in his own way a little sinister, you know? Yeah, and that end when you find out he's the killer, uh, I was really impressed. Like, I bet these screen movies can open up the possibility for winking. But he's so, like, there's no... He feels dangerous. It's like a weird... It's scarier than even Billy Loomis, and and um, which is kind of like where Scream Four seems to be heading the, the tone. So yeah. it fits with him. He's got that thing where you just need context with him because you can see him as sinister or actually kind of comforting and confident. Yeah. So the whole time you're being told he's a good guy. So I'm reading him completely as just quiet confidence. And smart and wise. And then the minute you find out he's a killer, you rewrite that, that whole too, history. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh God, of course. I mean, I did get a little off put, I swear. Well, uh, it's I mean, it's funny because two years before this was uh I Love You Beth Cooper uh-huh. with me and Hayden, uh Panettier. And him saying in that scene to her, like, uh, you've ignored me for four years, essentially saying and I liked you, you didn't like me back, and now you're into me. I love you, Beth Cooper. The premise is, for four years I've been obsessed with her. She didn't know who I was, and then we, over the course of a night, fall for each other. 
Uh, so it is Scream 4 does feel like a horror version of like <laughs> I Love You, Beth Cooper. Because in that movie, she's also supposed to be kind of this like badass, like cool person who the uh, odd looking dude is falling for and she's falling for him. Like, uh, how was that? Not to say that was at all a conscious thing. It was more, it hit me, only me alone yeah. watching it. I was like, oh, that's a funny distinction between these. Yeah. How was that though? The be watching scream no hayden panettiere in oh i love you beth cooper like uh hayden's awesome she seems like it yeah yeah she's so good in this she's uh yeah just legit great actor i would know it on the set working with her yeah Uh, and uh and then uh off camera off set just a cool person just That's like sweet. with it and like uh yeah really i i only fond memories i can't even think of like a time where i like um and this is like generalizing but it's a it's a generalization that's positive so i think it's okay <laughs> the times i've worked with um actors who are women who've worked in the industry for a long time, even since they were like kids or young adults, they like make a set move and work in a way that's really satisfying Mm. because a lot of times the like veteran lead can be a dude who he's operating in a entirely egocentric way of how is this machine going to operate best for me? And I don't know if it's a, a a woman's intuition and sort of kindness and not necessarily making somebody like the alpha. I'm number one. The ability to look at the bigger picture. kind Yeah, Yeah. But they'll go in rehearsal. They'll go, in a way that a a male actor in that position would never do, but if they did, it would even hit different because it would be kind of <laughs> like, so what's going on here? Are you going to be over here? It would sort of be like, well, hey, so when we do this and like when we turn around, won't that be difficult for that person? Oh yeah, they're like thinking about other departments. I feel like that's what Jamie Lee Curtis is times a hundred. You're right, or she's just like den mother i mean that in a good way you know like just scanning every little thing for but every what i person. like about it it's yeah. not to serve her day being better it's to make the operation work yes. and everybody i've never seen anybody grouse about it yeah because the crew is happy that somebody is and, uh, the directors are all amazing it's not a comment yeah. about the directors it's just like they're happy that somebody in the number one position is using their power to get things working for everybody and not just like slowing things down. Yeah, I feel like Jamie the Curtis, and I mean this again in a good way, is a, a first assistant AD first and then an actor. Like she should be credited <gasps> or second assistant. That is so funny. There are people who are like, they, they are great first assistant yeah. directors who like really could keep the... Uh, uh, yeah, the train well, on the tracks. Getting back to Rory Culkin's character, can you explain yeah. to me? 
I don't think I fully caught what his motivation was. Was he in love with Emma Roberts or they just were friends? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I don't know the exact romantic details between the two of them, but it his motivation seemed to be he's uh Well, he does say that thing like Randy gets the girl in this one, meaning gets Sydney. And so he must see himself as a Randy who wants to get yeah. the girl. So that's why he's aligning himself with um, Jill, who has the same last name as Emma Roberts. It's Jill Roberts and Emma Roberts. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the, um, and then seems to be betrayed by her. Like he seems to be affected by it in a way that was like romantic, but I don't know. It, it's got the same ambiguity that the first one has where you know Ski Orch is motivation but Matthew Lillard is a little bit more like I think just Svengali like Charlie maybe is by Jill yeah Jill is the Loomis yeah and uh, Charlie is the stew in this one right in terms of who's kind of puppeteering the other yeah and then they even kind of seem to double down with the Robbie character the stew questions about is Stu in love with Billy? Yeah. Um, there were points where I think the movie knowingly is like trying to gear you in the direction of maybe Robbie like loves Charlie or something. And then I loved it when he was getting killed. Yeah. They set it up earlier that you yeah. can survive a horror movie if you're gay. Yeah. He goes, I'm gay as a way to yeah. maybe survive. But even then it's a note if he's saying I am in that moment or. Right. right. And you also wonder which one of the two is killing him. Because there might be, that's right, a connotation there too. And I gotta say, with those ghost faces, that's one replay rewatch aspect that probably doesn't hold up is <laughs> tiny little Emma Roberts. Oh my, tiny little Emma Roberts and tiny little uh, I know. Uh, 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 Rory, Rory Culkin. Hayden, they're Panettiere both on walks show. by Rory Culkin at some point. He is shorter than her. Oh my god, they were on each other's shoulders. There's only one. <laughs> Ghost face. The other one was just cardboard. <laughs> I did notice Ghost face less sloppy, less clumsy. A little bit, yeah. You still, they still get some of that in there, and that's always something that I'm, I'm really on the fence of. Like, I love when he slips, but at the same time, I'm always like, when he's funny. Yeah. Uh, so just like I wish a- these movies were just a little scarier for me. I, I get you. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Not because I'm disappointed, but because I want, I want them to be. Also super scary because that would just be so interesting. I know what you mean because like what's fun about these movies, it's like, oh, it's so many different flavors. I'm getting to like go to the ice cream shop and like eat all my favorite flavors. Yeah. You just maybe wish you got a couple more scoops of a flavor you I like. I think it's me though because Amanda's, they're like one of the scariest movies to her. And I think I just saw them too late. She also has a quote that she's said twice during these movies. I hate ankle stuff. So there's like two parts in two of these movies and it's, I think it's with Anthony Anderson in this where you just see under the car and the ankles are, and she's always like, someone's going to get their Achilles tendons sliced. Have seen Pet Cemetery 89? I don't think so. There is a really, ooh, ooh. ankle slice. Okay. I won't so show stay her. away. Um, yeah. The um, Okay. So uh a lot of this stuff, you know, we discuss uh, earlier, but as we go through the the movie here, the um, 
yeah, the dark lighting is very apparent. Beginning, um, uh, relying on phone and texts now to scare. Interesting. Um, I did think when she's like, I got a text that says, I'm not outside, I'm right beside you. She doesn't look over. (laughs) Your eyes would have just sort of maybe move over a little bit, your peripheral vision. (laughs) Speaking of tech, they have Courtney Cox watching TV on a desktop computer too, which I think was a big sort of like, you can do that now. Also, I think whose laptop, who had the white plastic Apple laptop that remember the I had my first iMac oh my was God. in the last one that was the first laptop I ever had that white plastic one I'm so excited now to see Scream 5 if they're gonna hold up the legacy of oh, having matching tech my if first you, iPad uh do you have an iPad yeah oh Paul I have an iPad Pro ooh so if somebody in Scream 5 has an iPad Pro they better that's short for iPad professional <laughs> so I have to pay this iPad and what's the pad short for Padua, you know the town in Italy? So it's I Padua Professional. And it's a professional theater group that always performs Taming of the Shrew. Which is set <laughs> so in Padua. based in reality is that? Did you see a theater company do it? No, but I know that place set in Padua. Oh, young Padua. <laughs> um, um, I, I'm surprisingly... I have to say, I pretty much just watched this movie. It wasn't because I didn't want to write notes, but I was just kind of into oh, it. Oh, no, that's awesome. Um, the only... Yeah, I like that in the... Oh, what were you going to say, my friend? Oh, well, I have one other note about Gail. Are we supposed to like her? In this movie, for the first time, I doubted whether we were supposed to like her. I know we are, but I think it's just that because her art keeps repeating... I almost feel like she's a, a bit of a has sociopathic behavior where she keeps lapsing. Like, <laughs> I, where, yeah, like you have I, a toxic friend that you kind of forgive a few times, and then they keep doing it, and you kind of gotta showed, go, I need to cut you out of my life. When Sydney shows you who she is, believe her. <laughs> Wait, did I say Sydney? I meant Gail. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. When Gail, I say, the, okay. no, you said Gail. You said okay. Gail. I I should have said Gail. When Gail shows you who you are, believe yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Curious scream new scream if you're gonna what they're gonna do with her arc yeah i feel like it's sort of how the other characters regard her that i feel like isn't Mm. advancing like i see in her maybe a she was trying in this one yeah because she wasn't she was writing a book instead of being part of the tabloid media but still yeah she's a fiction writer now with writer's block which i thought that was a interesting start that's true I like Gia more in this than in three. Two hmm. <laughs> grown men. <laughs> Overthinking or underthinking? Oh, huh, hmm. yeah. I do hmm. like, do I like Gia in part four more than three? Matt wonders. Hmm. I think I'm a three guy. Just, <laughs> I like her sleuthing with Parker Posey, but maybe it's just Parker Posey holding the mirror up to life. Um, I'm going to say, though, that opening... Tap the brakes on those blondes. They're dying. Anna Paquin's hair to be blonde. Like, guys. Oh, yeah. Blondes everywhere. Well, I think they were trying to really contrast because you've got two brunettes, then you get two blondes, and then you get two blondes again. There must be something. Some Hitchcock purpose. blonde. 
brunette. I get the first two, like why you're contrasting them. And I also get why Emma Roberts' hair is darker because they want her to be like Sydney. Yeah. Um, uh, the, oh, I like the Kevin Williamson. I thought this was like a really good version uh, when he's like, uh, no, you're just the dumb blonde who has to get killed. And she goes, I have a 4.0 GPA and yeah. such and such IQ. I was like, oh, that's a yeah. really good stream level yeah. line. Um, the uh, That opening garage kill. Now, I love this opening. This first 12 minutes, they pack in so many ideas. Um, and when that title comes up, Scream 4, with some like pop music playing, I cheered. I was like yeah. so stoked. This is the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom opening of the Scream franchise. Of the just energy and excitement. Great sequel openings. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, um, I got to say the garage door kill, I know that they were going for, but it's a little weak because it's like, well, it's not as inventive as trying to go through the doggy door. And garage doors don't work that way. They're they're not no. heavy enough to cra- crunch well, it your back. It doesn't kill her. It just stops her, and then he goes over and kills but her. But it kind of goes like... Yeah. And garage doors work. You know, it touches a single hair on your I head, know. and it, like, jerks yeah. back up. Like They should have... Like, he should have, like, hung her by the contraption so and then opened the door which then would pull her up to the entrails like, out and, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah the entrails too how about that I did not expect that I was surprised to see those I guts and Saving Private Ryan and it was funny because it was right after they did the crossword for the word guts oh yeah it's like forward for letter word for brave yeah. um, and then lo and behold 10 minutes later guts. what do we see Nickelodeon's guts. Um, <laughs> I did think the ending, though, did have a very um, like 2010-ish death, which is like, it was a trope that was really happening at the time, I think, where like somebody's face is close to the camera and then they get dragged back. Who's that? That happens to the girl who gets killed in the garage before okay. she gets killed. Oh, okay. She's at oh, the garage right. door and she gets yanked, yeah. yanked backwards. Um, uh Love where do Sydney starts. She seems to be happy. Mm-hmm. Dewey and Gail are in bed, but there's not even like a an interaction with them that shows that things are bad with them. It's just like an interaction. She's still asleep, and he just leaves. Dewey and Gail should have been gooey in jail. In jail, instead, there. <laughs> um. I would normally maybe roll my eyes at the idea that it's like Sydney's cousin. That seems like a little like kind of a dumb sweaty sitcom thing of like yeah. my cousin. Is, yeah. I'm visiting my cousin, uh, but I really it's not my favorite performance in the movie. But I like Emma Roberts in this. Yeah, I think she's good, and I didn't mind. I mean, I think I'm trying to think of what could be better. You don't want a sibling, otherwise. Uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless it was like someone she used to babysit or something, it just no. It's good because then that was it. Her mom and her moms were friends. Yeah, and you need that too because that was another part of the red herring where you're going like something's bad between these sisters. They would have blood with the sisters. Yeah, and yep, that's yep. why again I thought it for sure it was her. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, then we meet Kirby and Olivia, the other friends. Um, hey. I noticed this would be usually where we get a little red right hand 
but no, none, none right? at all, huh? Maybe uh, Nick Cave was like, you're going to pay this time. And they said, no, we're not. We're going to do green left hand, green left foot. <laughs> it's about the Grinch. <laughs> you're a green left, Mr. Foot. <laughs> what? When people sitting in the theater think if they're like, you're a mean one, Mr. Green Left Foot. You're a greeny lefty foot. You've got toes that made of cheese and a heel made of mees, which is plural for mice, Mr. Green Left Foot. Uh, um, the... Uh um, I noticed that one of the cops says one generation's tragedy is another one's joke. I think yeah. Dewey says that. Yeah. Um, it did get me thinking, you know, we were talking about, um, I think with scream, when we talked about scream, we were like psycho original Halloween's homage. Scream is not a satire. The satire scary movie is parody is parody. Uh, and spoof right um so i did think like they're trying to figure out where do these movies yeah fit in a post scary movie world but the things that i noticed was like him saying that another one's joke they don't usually talk in the other screen movies about horror comedies or jokes or comedy but like that remark the American Werewolf in London poster and them watching Shaun of the Dead. Mm. It's like an identification of like horror comedy and Scream 4. Interesting. Um, Mm. But the, uh, uh, then we have a scene with um, Nancy O'Dell. Uh, She's interviewing Sydney about her new book. Yeah. And she's in Scream 3 as well. Right. I think she's doing a, she might have, is she also in two or one? I forget. Maybe season two, talking about the the sequel. Yeah. Um. But um. What do you think she'll be more known for? Scream for or Trump saying filthy things about her? I don't think I even realized that. That's she, who this is. That's who Trump's talking about with uh Billy Bush is Nancy O'Dell. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Can I tell you a really good? <sighs> Detail. I have a friend. Talk about the Radford lot in Scream 3. Radford lot. My friend is a writer, was a writer at the time on the Radford lot. Now, they have a window that looks out onto the Access Hollywood stage. Before the news breaks, they look out the window and they see Nancy O'Dell on the phone, irate. And they just clock it as like, hmm, interesting. Nancy O'Dell is like really angry right now. Then a few hours later, it breaks and it was shot on that lot. That's where the Access Hollywood tape was shot. So like probably Access Hollywood, had, I mean uh, TMZ or whoever broke it, had called to get comment. Was yeah, or slight? somebody who, who, did who, break it? who knew her was like, I caught wind of this. Yeah. Just giving you a heads up. Ooh, that poor woman in every way. Yeah, that's just not how you you're getting like a, a in a part of history that's not with your consent. None of it. The like the, the original thing. Yeah, you're consent. just a yeah. victim through and through. It's like the the Weinstein women too, because then they had to be. Oh, you have, have to, to get dragged through the mud. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 
Um, there was a, uh, somebody put up a little plaque, I guess, at the Radford lot that was like, here on this date, future President Trump said, uh, like, quoted him, and it was up for a few days, and then somebody took the oh. plaque down, but I thought that was funny oh to be like, God. this is a historical place <laughs> that generations <laughs> need to visit and reflect upon. It is. Yeah, you know, because you'd be like, here's where Roosevelt made this speech, and Here's or Trump. Oh my I mean, it was God. pivotal for me where I was like, hey, final confirmation that the GOP has been full of shit about morality and our bodies and sexuality from the get go. Yeah. This is the this is the proof I've wanted my whole life. He says this thing, then they vote for him. Yeah. I mean, I know there was plenty of people who probably did peel off after he said those remarks, but not that many. Not enough. Yeah, we're still talking about it, huh, Matt? (laughs) Sorry, I was the one who brought it up twice. Um, Now, uh, it is a twist that the nerd boys, the Randys, Robbie and Charlie, are the killers, and the jockish boyfriend, Trevor, who has the same name as uh, the bad guy in uh, the Friday the 13th remake too. The same like sort of alpha asshole is named Trevor. Um, oh. I, I don't think that was intentional. Wait, but Robbie's just... not a killer. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Jill? Uh, the the center duo or oh, yeah, yeah. something. Okay. You know, yeah. like in the group. Right. And the Billy Loomis dangerous boyfriend. Like he's doing the same stuff. He's sneaking into the bedroom and stuff. But... Yeah. And they even call it out. When Nev Campbell sees him go out the window, like, what she say something like, this looks familiar? You remind me you, of me. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. And she, uh, uh, it's so funny, though, when that boyfriend shows up at the end, the ex-boyfriend, he doesn't help himself to not seem like a suspect. Like, no, he really doesn't. If, he, if the light was sort of shining on you, was about, I think you'd come in with some, like, no. bagels, <laughs> some coffee and juice. You'd be like, hey, no. He's I'm a, a guy friend. you want to go, no, I don't think he did these murders. But you still could you go? You're you do seem like a you total just us out. Yeah, I did like when Kirby was like, "Why are you in my house? Get out!" Yeah, um, but uh, Kirby is all of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why I've been seeing those shirts. People wearing Kirby <laughs> is all of us. Um, uh, oh, so there's a point where. Um, they call the phone and they find the bloody knife in the trunk. Mm-hmm. So that was either. Oh, okay. I can figure out now that how they did it. Uh, uh, the cousin. The cousin got her hands on the keys somehow. Because yeah. I was like, oh, how did they get the keys into. Um, uh, we can talk about just Allison. It's Bree. Uh, I just want to say it's really smart to frame Sydney as a suspect because. It does, she would otherwise just like, I'm getting out of here. Yes. I'm leaving town and they say, well, you can't. Yeah. And I love uh, that this is the first one where Sydney, there's a possibility where it seems like maybe she's doing it. And Um, and that's what's exciting about part five five is anyone's game. I know. It is exciting. I mean, if it can be Laurie Metcalf, it can be anyone. (laughs) 
Oh my god, they should bring Lori Metcalf back. Like, I know. Half robot body. <laughs> I survived the theater department massacre. All of the Ghostface killers come back as one Voltron cy- cyborg. Um, you got Timmy the Elephant, Matthew Lillard, Ski Ulrich, Lori Metcalf, Scott Foley. Scott Foley. Emma Roberts. And Rory Cole. Oh my God, what a motley crew. That'd be amazing. What a rogues gallery. But they're dressed like the Knights Who Say Knee or whatever it is. In, <laughs> or the, I forget what they are. Um, I would say out of the four that we've watched, I think Scream 2 in retrospect is the most kind of like the winky jokes. Yeah. Like it wasn't my, they put my head on Jennifer Aniston's body and, and having Tori Spelling play the part in the Scream. Like, but. The most Scream 2-like meta joke that I think this movie gets, where it's not about horror movies, it seems to be kind of even outside Scream, is when Allison Breeze, Rebecca Walters' character, is saying to Gail, like, I mean, I never really bought you guys as a real couple, yeah. more as like a movie couple, because you would never be interested yeah. in a guy like that. Yeah, um, that's weird. Yeah, it's just... Maybe just you notice it because it's like, oh, that's not really the sandbox that Scream 4 is playing in as much as the outside Scream or outside horror movie reference stuff. Um, I thought the shadows, you know, now that it's dark and shadowy, unlike the other Scream, was put to good effect with the Judy Hicks when she, when um, she she steps out in the hallway. I really creepy scene. And the, the parking garage is pretty dark too. Yes. Yeah. I liked uh, when that deputy comes out and sort of like, we were friends. Yeah. I don't know if you remember me because that's. Oh, another red herring setup. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I thought that was like one of the best red herrings of I liked the whole franchise. Yeah. She was good. And then lurking back into the shadows. Yeah. That was very symbolic too. Yeah. I was just thinking that's kind of like actually what a red herring does because if they stay out in the light, they have to kind of go back into the shadows for it to really work as a red herring. Cause if it was just like, no, um, yeah. Um, really like the, um, uh, I'm standing in the closet this isn't the the ghost face on the phone saying to um, Kirby and Jill. Um, uh, oh yeah, this isn't Trevor. You think it's Trevor? It's not me. This is not Trevor. God yeah, damn it! Right, I worked right, right. so hard. I worked so <laughs> hard. Credit where credits due. Uh, I'm standing in the closet. No, this not this closet. The other closet. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was some good I suspense. I like that, but I. I was like, I think he's in the other house. I somehow was oh. cottoned to that. Well, yeah. did um, it made me think a little bit. Um, this is the first time in Scream where we've gotten some real across the street yeah. action. Yeah, which obviously Halloween dabbles in. Yeah, Nightmare, Nightmare. on Elm Street. Yeah, I don't even know if this is necessarily, but Johnny Depp dies in that big bloodbath. Yeah, across the street from yeah. the main character in this. Big bloodbath. This is where the guts are seen and stuff. But also, he's watching Evil Dead in Nightmare on Elm Street, which is kind of like a cheeky, slightly horror yeah. comedy. And then they're watching Shaun of the Dead yeah. in this. I think that's got to be. I I definitely noticed when that room was just spattered with blood. I 
couldn't help but be reminded of. You can't help but think Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, which is cool too. I like uh, it getting gory, like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street level. Um, ooh, I liked Ghostface presenting it as this. Just felt like good part four territory where he says to Sydney, "This isn't about you. You still think you're the star." Yeah. Um, yeah. Ghost, um, Ghostface is ready for his close up. Yes. Or hers or theirs. So then that brings to the aforementioned parking structure scene. Um, I think this is like the third sequence Wes Craven shot in a parking structure. What else is there? There's one in Cursed. And uh, I think there's maybe a slight one in part two for a moment, right? Like, um, oh, my short term memory. And then, uh, uh, but then some of his posters pop up too in the cinema club. Yeah. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and People Under the Stairs uh, with Gorley and Rust favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw the other. It seems cinema club is just horror movie club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween 2. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, our that? favorite, our preferred Halloween 2. Rear Window, which was just like the scene before it. Yeah. Death Proof. Which has, doesn't Death Proof have Debbie Hicks? Isn't she in that? She is. is Yeah. In the Grindhouse. uh, She's in. Is she in Planet Terror or? She's in Planet Terror, but in Grindhouse, which was Dimension about four years. And Robert Rodriguez, who directed. Right. So when it said a film by Robert Rodriguez, did it say that in Scream 2? I don't think so, but didn't he, but he did direct that, right? He did direct what? Didn't did he not direct the scene? Or no, I'm thinking of Eli Roth directing the movie Oh Thanksgiving in, section of Greathouse? No, in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, the uh German yeah. exploitation movie. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Uh But I know Robert Rodriguez has done something like that. I just thought that was the first time I'd seen his director credit for the stab movie. Maybe, yeah. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh um They do that thing again where they're like, these murders are based on this. They're like, these murders are like the original Woodsboro murders. How? Two girls were killed in the beginning, not... (laughs) What? I guess the garage door. Oh, so they're just copycatting. I think so. I see. Um I liked uh, Robbie saying, uh, crossed his fingers and said, hoping for nudity for a change yeah. in the Scream movies. Uh, didn't happen. Fine by me. Yeah. I think Scream keeping it classy like that yeah. is good. Um, it would be weird at this point. It would. Yeah. I was thought it was even weird when you saw that neighbor girl in her bra. It felt, I guess, when you, you'd, I'd already seen such violence in the beginning of this. I thought, oh, maybe is this movie going to really try to edge it up? Yeah, because in general, Wes Craven's camera does not um, objectify no. women usually, right? It, it, it's not like not in a that slobbery. Way. Like. More in the overeating way. Oh, but that wasn't Wes Craven in... Oh, part, part five. five. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. hate that overeating scene. I know. Get it out of here. <laughs> uh, now we have the start of the stabathon, 
at the barn. Loved all this. Just love the idea of a yeah. in general, a group of high school kids getting together to watch a horror movie thought yeah. in a barn. Um, but just uh on a meta level, and I think it was the first time watching Scary Movie Four where I was like, to see them dressed as stab like kids dressed up as their favorite stab characters, but they're identical to their if somebody had a, a scream, people were dressed up as like dressing up as Gail in the stab movies yeah. is just the same as dressing up as Gail in the scream movies. So when they go to the barn and you see kids dressed up as them, I was like, oh, they're just actually having a I scream here. All the Deweys. And then when Gail comes in dressed as Ghostface too, it's yeah, fascinating. Right. That yeah. was good. Um, uh, I did think when she goes in and starts setting up cameras, it's funny that she's like weirdly bootlegging. <laughs> The scream, yeah. the stabathon. She should have put on like a Mission Impossible style Parker Posey <laughs> face, or like a Drive. Remember Ryan oh, yeah. Gosling's like yeah. weird fleshy yeah. mask with the stuntman like, burn mask. Yeah. That's what I think Mike Pence always looks like. Like he's wearing one of those stuntman rubber masks. Oh my god, <laughs> that'll be the big reveal at the end. They could have used that to their benefit. Then on January sixth, they could have re- had a replacement Pence. That's that was um George. Kennedy all along, or JFK Jr. He came back as Mike Pence, but he's wearing a stuntman's burn mask. That's Mike. <laughs> Look it up. It's all true, people. It's a gate. Um, I also really like the uh, when Courtney Cox is like, she's like, they're a bunch of kids watching a bunch of stab movies. I mean, how meta can you get? And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. I heard it can say just that. Uh, if anything, by Scream 4 and now, the word meta is just that it gets misused all yeah. the time or misunderstood yeah. and applied to everything. When right. it, Yeah, so I thought that was like a good scary or Scream 4 moment. Yeah. Uh, meta is also a weird term where I believe it's just a prefix that became then a word. Like metaphysical and right. metamorphosis. and It's like when somebody uh, says um, like... Now, instead of saying I'm semi-erect, they go, I have a semi. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also a semi-flaccid. So, you better clarify. Yeah, that's a real half. Which way are you on the way to? Post or pre? Yeah, are you, are you heading in or backing out? What What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> These are the saying, questions. Just inform your partner is what I'm saying. A semi won't do it. <laughs> yeah, but me- meta... Yeah, like I had a meta erection. Now people just go, I have a meta. Like the phases of the moon, you have the crescent and the gib- gibbous are the, because there's no, there's full moon and new moon, which is like no moon and a full moon. Uh-huh. But the gibbous is when it's bigger than 50%. I didn't know this. And okay. a crescent is when it's smaller than 50%. Uh-huh. But there's waxing and waning. So a waxing gibbous is a gibbous that's getting bigger and a waning gibbous is smaller so you have a waxing semi or a waning semi (laughs) i I think also what you're describing that's another new way of looking at franchises oh yeah like halloween is full moon the rob zombie remake is new moon yeah a sequel's essential halloweenness can be like on like 
it's either waning or, or waxing. Like the current trilogy is is waxing. Or I guess it's waning because it's past its midpoint. Oh, I didn't mean length. I meant in thematic fidelity. I see. Or or not yes. even thematic. Like yeah, okay, gotcha. Fidelity to the original. The point is, roll over and say to your lover, I'm waxing semi. And you're sure to get, get a second round. You know, you're sure to get a, huh? <laughs> Have you been listening to with Corley and Rust? Um, Anthony Anderson's prank tricked me when I was yeah. sitting in the theater. And uh, not this time, but when I was sitting in the theater, it got yeah. me. His death is brutal. Yeah. How does he get up and even talk or walk around? Because am I wrong? He's That ghost face stabs him full to the hilt of the knife into his brain. Oh, that's a sharp knife to go through skull. I know. There's no way. The head would have broken back. Nitpicking. But is that, is that a aside, it, his his getting up and there's nothing. I think like the most effective deaths in movies are when someone gets shot or stabbed and they kind of don't know what's happened. Do you remember in Munich when they go shoot the woman that does the honey trap and kills Karen Hines? Oh, yeah. On her little like... Dutch boat and they have those bicycle pump one shot guns right? and they shoot her in the chest a couple times and she doesn't really know it and she gets up and she's fully nude and she's kind of walking around and she like tries to pick up the cat and she sits there. It's so effective because it seems so real and she's just completely disoriented. Well and it fits with like the movie that there's like no glamour and death or or killing. Uh, oh, so that's they, one of the most effective death scenes I've seen. That's awesome. Same with um, when Sterling Hayden gets shot in The Godfather in the throat, and he's just kind of like yes. coughing. Because you would never know. Even if someone put a gun to your face and pulled the trigger and you saw it, you still couldn't have the mental capacity to go, I'm dying. Well, that's a, when you, like, what? I mean, not too real, but it's just like uh, when you watch the Zapruder footage, you see like, Kennedy and then the other people around them have a reaction that's more just like what the fuck? Yeah. Not <laughs> an assassination is happening. Yeah. Because why would you? Yeah, yeah. It's just anything that's a surprise on a much less scale. I was in high school when the Whittier Narrows earthquake happened in Whittier oh. and I was hanging up a poster. I think I told this before, but the building was shaking and I just nothing in my brain said earthquake. It all said for some reason, someone's driving a golf cart on the roof. And I was like, what is this? And it wasn't until I turned around and saw people screaming and like all the noise. The earthquake was over before I realized it was an earthquake. And then I was terrified. But at the time, I wasn't. It was weird. Yeah, I was... Um... Oh, and I was driving here a couple of weeks ago and it was rainy. I just didn't talk about it on the podcast. But I was taking an exit and... The water had kind of flooded, it drained into the middle of this thing. And so, or it, it, uh, no, an entry ramp, not exit. And me and another car kind of side by side. Ugh. And we both hit this water thing. And every viewpoint I had <gasps> in my car is completely covered in water. And it's for what felt like 10 seconds, but it was probably only like three. Um, And I make the choice to slow down and stop 
because I imagine I can't know what's in front of me. Yeah. So it's better to risk getting rear-ended than to drive into a tree or into another car in front of me. Insurance-wise, certainly. Insurance-wise? Insurance-wise, certainly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, But uh, when it ended, the water went down, and I just looked over at the other car next to me, and he had stopped too, and we just kind of looked at each other like, that was weird. But He was like the the pilot in Last Crusade when they're going through the tunnel. <laughs> Looking down. <laughs> uh, but it, I'm just yes, Andy, what you're saying, the whole experience was confusion. Yeah. There is no, I'm on top of this and I'm yeah. going to yeah, steer into it. Or I wonder what percentage of people this is morbid as hell know they're dying. Like people in hospitals do, but the moment it happens, I know there's all this you know, endorphin release they talk about and is the white light at the tunnel actually a chemical thing if it even exists. And But I just mean most people probably don't even know they die. You never get a moment to go, here it is. Oh, like, oh, yeah. God, this, we don't even know. No, no, no. What am I doing? Because uh, either way, I think could be comforting. I'm, I'm taking the cozy look at this, which is like, if your brain tells you, like if for some reason we don't know, but you actually see like a countdown from yeah. five to one yeah. in your field of vision as <laughs> it's happening. Like let's say it's as extreme as that. I could see let's taking get ready to rumble. <laughs> I could take comfort in the like, okay, I'm being told and it's yeah. happening, but maybe the not knowing is actually the ultimate gift because you're just sort of like, oh, I don't ever have to live with I can Live in the uh, uh, denial that I've been in my whole life. Which I is, think it's, it's not, probably best. Yeah. Which is why when someone in real life is like the Munich thing, they can't, they can't fathom it. I just don't think your brain ever wants yeah. to tell you you're going to die. So it's going to lie to you. That's yes. Yeah. Well put. And then, yeah, like you would, <laughs> you certainly wouldn't be able to, then have the capacity to say something profound and deep to your loved ones. No, or like, tell your sister, you were right. Yeah. You were right. I wonder how many people like confess that they were like D.B. Cooper is just like, they're not even consciously lying. It's just like whatever brain stew is happening when you're dead. They're like, I'm D.B. Cooper. I got to share this. I'm D.B. Cooper. There have been 480 deathbed D.B. Cooper confessions <laughs> logged. There's a website. Um, so, yep. Mary McDonald would be the red herring in the vein of Lori Metcalf. Yep. That's what I wrote. The red uh, Metcalf. Yeah. <laughs> um, love this. In terms of screen movies are at best when they're at the top of their intelligence. I love this was the best question you could ask in a part four. Where the ghost face says to Sydney, what's the point of survival if everyone around you is dead? Yeah. I thought that was really good. That's just yeah. like, can't ask that question in part two, really? No. It gets asked in part four. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, didn't really understand why Dewey um, isn't letting Gail help him. That just felt a little... Anyway, I, mean, I, I guess I didn't, one. for some reason, have much of an issue with that because I kind of thought he knows she's going to be. I mean, it almost felt like 
this is going to be her addictive behavior again. I can't let her back into this world. You know, she's just become, she's going to become evil, evil Gale again. I want. Oh, I see that. I think I'm overthinking. No, it. no, no. This is a point where I'm overthinking it. No, that makes sense that he would be like, she has a capacity to um, exploit. Exploit and do things unlawfully. He's more by the book. Yes. She's going to get in the way. Yep. Yeah. He's sheriff now. He's got a town he's responsible for. Also, he's got this uh, deputy that he maybe has a little... I know she certainly has a thing for him. Oh, but maybe no, he's also like, like... Yeah. You know. Um, I want... I want Dewey to be with W.D. Hicks and not Gail. Um, they're perfect for each other. They are. They are. And there's, it seems like there's love there. I'm shipping Hicks. Hicks and. Well, you could even ship maybe Arquette and the actor who plays, plays her. You could yeah. say, I want him to be with her instead of. I don't know if I want her to be with him, though. He seems like a real wild card. Uh yeah, I had a friend who saw him. All those Arquettes are. Yeah. That's a that's a hell of a family. Yeah, I love them. I do too. The I'm just saying I don't want to marry them. I want to hang out with them, but I don't want to marry them. <laughs> I'm going to marry the Arquettes. I'm going to marry all the Arquettes. <laughs> um, the, uh, ooh. Yeah, and we've discussed how there's a Patricia Arquette in... Um, Nightmare. Nightmare. So yeah. Craven's... Worked with a, a couple of Arquettes, three, a few Arquettes. I think four. I think there's a fourth Arquette. I think there's another Arquette brother in the last one who plays a really small part. I forget which brother it is, but it's not one you're used to seeing. Like, I see. I see. It's not their sister from Pulp Fiction. It's not. How many Arquettes are? It's not important. Um, well, we're eventually going to do our Arquette podcast. Yeah. That's when we get to it. Yours, mine, and our Arquette. <laughs> you. This is a, you, you, uh, you know, my wife Leslie is amazing at titles. Oh, yeah, because her well, screen yes. title yeah. is uh, insanely good. That. But, um, I bet you just have a natural inborn instinct for, um, podcast titles, given your, your experience, your career. Boy, do I don't know about that. People would come to you and be like, hi, sir, <laughs> sir, I want to do a conversation, fun, Conversation based podcast about oh, oh, the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> They're about to die unless you give them a title. Decimaling it over. You're thank welcome. You, thank you. Thank you all. You're welcome. <laughs> um, the uh, 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 going back to my notes here. Um, so then. I like this was maybe one of my favorite kind of you wouldn't see this in the first screams was the um remakes mean you break the rules which I don't necessarily know if that's true but like the um he's like the party already happened it doesn't end with the party yeah uh, like oh scream 4 isn't ending with the party yeah. like in scream 1 yeah. but also in their life isn't ending with the party right um but they seem to be aware of that yeah um and then that's when Charlie and Kirby start to flirt about her knowledge of horror movies. Um, the uh, by the way, when she starts rattling off all those titles to answer Ghostface questions, I didn't realize it was like as long as you get the right one in there. It does seem like she should have to answer 
Like he should at least do final answer. Yeah. What's the right? Right. And she, she cuts him off. Right. He's like, "What is the remake?" And then she just starts saying, "I was like, yeah. you want to get that final? You want to get the full do question? You want to phone a friend? Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he's in the Miramax verse, <laughs> but he's busy. Can I offer you a Jason Muse? <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed there wasn't a Silent Bob and Jay, Jay and Silent Bob cameo in this one, I guess. It's too retrospect. bad. It would have um, been nice if the whole cast of Shakespeare in Love just came <laughs> through. Or at least the weatherman I peed next to after I saw uh, Shakespeare in Love in the theater. Which weatherman? My local weatherman when I was in high school. You know who I peed next to one time? Who? The most interesting man in the world. Remember from those ads? The Dos Equis ads? <laughs> You peed next to him? Yeah. Did he have the most interesting penis in the world? I didn't see it, but I mean, he holds up. Good looking dude. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Uh, and I told you I rode an elevator with Parker Posey once. No, this didn't come up in our Scream 3 it might Posey have come talk. up another time, but yeah. We, what was the... I, I just melted. I didn't say a word. I looked the other way. I like, did everything I could to just disappear because I... I Always had a crush on her since waiting for Guffman. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, without a doubt. And then uh, I rode an elevator, uh, Leslie and I, with uh, Vigo Mortensen. Vigo of the Mortensons? Of the Mortensen oh clan. Oh, my God. And uh, Leslie, completely uh, bald-faced, made up an excuse to talk to him. That wasn't about him being Vigo, Vigo. Mortensen. Yeah. It was just kind of like... And did he go for it? Nice weather we're having huh, or something like that. Um. Yes, he was so kind in the elevator. And then later I got on some weird Reddit thread where people were talking about like actually nice celebrities. And Vigo Morton said kept coming up as like he's a genuinely like kind I forgot about Willem Dafoe as well. That's funny. The guys who have a little bit of an edge. Yeah. I Did I tell you about the time I met Ed Harris? No. My girlfriend at the time, same one, the theater teacher at Palace Verdes. We saw him in a play called Taking Sides on Broadway. And we went to the stage door after and it opened up and a tour group was going getting shown backstage and I just went, come on. And I latched what? us on and then we just- Little stage door to Johnny? Like seriously like you would in the movies and then just diverged from the tour group, walked up a set of stairs and walked Diverged past- from the tour group yeah. that you uh, jumped yes. on? Oh my gosh. And walked Bold. past Ed Harris's open dressing room door and his wife, Amy Madigan's in there. And we just looked in with wide eyes and she was so sweet. She goes, oh, hi guys, come on in. What? And Ed Harris is clearly like, what are you doing, Amy? I just, come on, she does this all the time. She, he didn't say anything, but just come in. Do you want a picture? And so we took a picture with wow. Ed Harris. And he was begrudgingly kind. I don't blame him one bit. He wasn't yeah. even yeah. mean or right, cranky. Right, he right, just right. was along for the ride. But Amy Madigan might as well have been his publicist, like shuffled us through. <laughs> and uh, we always uh, intended to use that as our Christmas card, like Merry Christmas from Matt, Jen, and Ed Harris. <laughs> he had a little like Santa hat on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's... He's not in a history of violence, is he? Ed Harris? Yeah, I'm thinking no, of the Vigo Mortensen. Is. Yeah, but there's some press conference where Ed Harris is with David Cronenberg. So I don't know mm. what movie they made together. 
Maybe it's not Ed Harris. No, I think it is where he's like, he's obviously pissed off with the interviewer and he does the thing that an actor gets away with, which is like, no, I'm acting right now. Oh yeah. But he's like, mm. it's like, you want to get anger on the screen. You want anger, anger like this. And everyone's like, uh, so I'll, we'll look it up after we're done here oh, or people funny. can. It's just YouTube, like Ed Harris flip out. or <laughs> Okay. Good. But I'm glad he didn't do that to you when you met him. No, he was. Um, he, he needed the love of a good woman like Amy Madigan to chill him out. She's the greatest. Um, now, uh, when Robbie is getting killed, Kevin Williamson has a far more creative and inventive brain than me. But I did think the kind of like self-documentation yeah. thing could have been hit if... Now, they did a little bit like he's when he first sees Ghostface, it's through his camera. Yeah. Like he can't just see Ghostface on his own. He has right. to have it like through a screen. But if his little headgear had fallen off and was videotaping him as he was killed and he could watch on a screen himself get killed and kind of and like then, enjoy it and do a little commentary. Oh, that'd be yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they just otherwise reuse the same thing that Gail's camera had already done. Yeah. And the, which was effective in the first time. In the first one. And it does kind of seem like they're not really reinventing the wheel no. there. Even when she's kind of lurking around while Stab yeah. is playing, it's like, well, that is Scream too. Yeah. Stab is playing a screen while somebody's like, while they're getting yeah. horror stuff on screen, it's happening right. off screen and stuff. But, um, the uh, but they they did hit like the idea that these guys are making, or or Charlie's trying to make an actual horror movie using actual deaths. That's like one of the reveals. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay, that's right. I forgot there was that element of they're they're actually making a movie. But to but the, what end are they going to? Then but they don't want to be seen as the killers, so it's more like we'll have this really great file footage or... or but, but how could they have possessed it? Are they going to leak it on the internet anonymously? WikiLeaks? 4chan? Oh, right. They have to, like, trust that it gets leaked from a police state. Yeah. They can't. If it comes from them, it ties them right. in. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't even want Charlie around. Um, the, um, yeah, really... I liked um, uh, uh, um, Charlie being tied to the chair, like in the first, the beginning of the first movie, and Kirby being quizzed. But because she's a movie fan, they're more specific. They're yeah. like, match the weapon to the killer, yeah. the origin of each killer, right? It was sort of like. Or the first slasher film. Yeah, what was the origin of the slasher movie? And then. Yeah, the listing off the remix, which I think is my favorite yeah. moment in the movie. That's good. Um, and then the big reveal of Jill. Uh, and then they have their big kind of kitchen monologue, like in the first one. Just like, but in a, in a really pleasing way. Yeah. Even the staging. Yeah. yeah. And kind of like how the Back to the Future movies work, where like they know you've seen the first one, so if it's repeating itself, it's kind of not... no recursion is like built into the idea yeah. of it so if same it happens with, it doesn't seem like it's ripping itself off or same something. with charlie in the chair outside yeah, yeah yeah um uh 
Yeah, and then she kills him. And this is where, uh, yeah, she says, uh, you don't, she wants to be famous. She doesn't want friends. She wants fans. Um, this, is, I guess, is true. And like, a, they seem to be kind of making a commentary of like, all it takes is Kim Kardashian's famous because a sex tape mm-hmm. got leaked. You just need kind of this like weird thing to happen to you and you can be famous off it. Um, that's kind of true when the Scream movies came out. Yeah, I think of the motivations, this is actually one of the better ones. Yeah. I even think it's it's still a stretch to think someone would kill and do all this for that. But I'll buy it for this movie. I think it may even be stronger for me than the first movie as far as motivations go. Just Yeah, not, that's an alignment that, with the movies. Like yeah. this idea of like being obsessed with pop culture and yeah. Like I said, like none of the motivations I really believe someone's gonna not only kill people for, but also set up this elaborate thing. Mm. This one just seemed to fit the tone and the style. And if someone's going to care about fame, I would get why they would go through all this charade of recreating this stuff. Yeah. Because they're really premeditated and, you know. And why they wouldn't, the question we have sometimes of like, why wouldn't somebody just kill Sydney? Why are they killing Henry Winkler before they go kill Nev Campbell? And this, it's like part of the design is that she wants Sydney to be tortured by seeing all these people die around her and she has to have her survive so that you can have this good handoff from her to Jill. So yeah, it is really solid. Then they go to the hospital. Yeah, not since um, Friday 13th Part (laughs) 5. A uh, new beginning has there been uh, an extended hospital denouement surprise, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> oh, 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 just real quick. I do really like the dark humor of like how long it goes on, where she scrapes her face, pulls her yeah, hair, that was great, stabs her chest, falls onto a glass. You think table. it's over each time. What's that? You think it's over each yeah. time and she keeps going. That was cracking me up. And then I noticed when she did fall over on the shelf, um, the DVDs, I could be wrong, but I think they're exercise DVDs. Uh. So it's sort of like, yeah, she doesn't watch horror movies. She watches like fitness stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So then they're at the theater. I love that like really kind of Hitchcocky, like funny, dark ending of. Jill's in bed hearing that Sydney survived. It's just like, yeah, that's outside screen. That's just like a really great moment in any movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you remind me, did you ever watch the bad seed? Oh yeah. The like, yeah. she as presents herself as a sweet girl, but she's like, when she finds out somebody isn't dead or it didn't go the way and you get to see like how a sweet girl pretends to be sweet when yeah. the wheels are turning. Yeah. That's what it was reminding me of. Yeah. Um, it is funny how quickly Dewey connects. You know, I I never she didn't know I was stabbed that way, yeah. and they're immediately like the killer. <laughs> I know it, and it works, she's, but it's not like the dun dun dun. When she says want. because we we have matching wounds, that yeah. sticks out so much. We're like that is gonna come back to bite her. <laughs> uh, I did like you saying, uh, "Who are you, Michael Fucking Myers?" Yeah, to Dev Cameron, and then. The great line of uh, "Don't fuck with the original." I have it written here, it's great. It's I cheered at that. 
It's, and I liked the death. I mean, maybe they said clear one too many times. Like no one, not all of them needed to say it. Yep. I think you just, you have a Courtney Cox say clear and then just. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. If I'm being like greedy, I do wish the dope fuck with the original came before the final, final, final kill when she shoots her, not the, um, I also thought the shooting was, we didn't need it this time. It just didn't add anything other than just a repeat. When they brought the gun out in the kitchen, uh, I was just kind of like, getting somebody blasted in the head is just like not slashery. But I can see maybe they're trying to Yeah. You got a twist on the shooting. Right. With this. It's just like, that's one of the things you don't have to repeat. It's like every James Bond movie shouldn't have every martini, every gadget. Yeah. Like just pick the best that you need for that story. That, that was one that I'm not upset about it. It was just like, I, the the climax was already so good Mm -hmm. that that was Mm -hmm. just gilding the lily. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, and then the ending when they say, uh, the Woodsboro Massacre reboot. <laughs> they say it's a 21st century killing spree. I was like, that's technically true. Those other screen movies never touched the 21st century. They just missed it by like a year. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the ending, which I thought was like pretty... Um, it doesn't end on like the end of the arc of Nev Campbell's character. It, like part it, three did. Right. It yeah. ends with um, this kind of like taxi driver ironic ending of like, it's on Emma Roberts' face and they go like, she's an American hero right out of the movies. And this idea of like, the culture's not going to know that this person was actually psychotic. They're going to see them as a hero and they're going to get celebrated in a way that like they shouldn't. Oh, you think? Cause won't her story come out? through the survivors? I think it was what it was saying was like the media image of her looking like that looked like somebody who was part of the massacre and got massacred. And so that's how the, there's going to be a misunderstanding of what her role was in all this because, I mean, it makes you also wonder like they didn't make a Scream 5 and 6 because I guess this wasn't successful enough. Oh, really? Um, Uh It was critically, but I don't think it made as much money. But Man, I would have loved actually if they'd done five and six, paused, and then these screen movies that we were getting next week or in a few days was the beginning of the third trilogy. Oh wow! Like, yeah, uh, seven through nine. Yeah, as opposed to just five. That's okay. It's okay. Well, should we do best yeah. kill? Who's your best kill? Oh man, um, I wrote it down. Oh. Um. Yeah, I think the Robbie one, uh, just because it was particularly gory, so I liked seeing all that blood, and because fourth time I've watched Scary uh, Scream Four, and I got surprised that he died. Yeah, that's a that's effective. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go with Mary McDonald because, like yeah. I said, I thought she was there till the end. So we both like the ones that we were like unexpected. The yeah. ones that were like on a plot yeah. level surprised us. I That's also cool. like her as an actor. The death was inventive and yeah. Yeah. I thought for sure, because it's kind of sometimes ghost face stabs can defy physics. Like he had stabbed through the thick the door. or 
door, but to find out it was the mailbox. That was there. cool. That yeah. like it, yeah, held up to actually logic. And stuff. Yeah. So our ratings, I gave Scream a ten. You give it a thirteen. I'm thinking that mine might be a little low. Scream two, I give a nine. You give it an eleven point five. Scream three, I gave an eight point five, and you gave a nine. So scream, you know, I'm gonna up scream one to an eleven instead of a ten, okay. so that I can give this a ten. Hey, all right. I'm gonna give this just a single point five less than the one I gave for Scream Two, so an eleven. Okay, um, that's nice. And I think what Scream Two gives it the edge is just that it happens to be nestled right there in the in the nineties and the yeah. look and the soundtrack and stuff is just yeah. gonna give it a little bit of an edge. Closer to home. Yeah. So next week we'll do scary movie and then we'll have an update on what we're gonna do with <laughs> How are we gonna scary. talk about scary movie? Like analyze it? I think so no, we'll I mean it's funny to me that yeah. like oh yeah like of course we will analyze it yeah, it's but just the quality funny to of the like, filmmaking I know so how did you feel when he was rolled up into a giant joint and smoked by a, a monster do, uh weed plant have we never talked about this I've never seen it oh my god You're because this tree. is also the same as Scream this is 90s when I'm in college and I was turning up my nose at this shit summer 2000 so I can't wait to just have a good time watching this movie yeah, the year 2000, uh, for 99 being such a, a boom year for movies, 2000 is kind of like a squishy 2001. Those are a period yeah. where movies are a little, be interesting to go back and rewatch and oh, see yeah. what those look like. Yeah, but oh yeah, I can't wait for a scary movie. I love it. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next All week. Right. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.